All right, man. So this is Tech Talk. Uh, Jimmy Barnett with Stephen Aiken. Are we already recording? Yep. Just started. Okay. Yep. Dude, <laughs> first and foremost, thank you for coming. And uh, I wanted to ask you a few things. That's the reason why I wanted you on here. Basically, I wanted to ask you how it feels to be a new school owner. Right now? Yeah. It's terrifying. <laughs> it's like, it's, I mean, it's really cool. It's exciting. Uh, but at the same time, with everything going around with this virus crap, man, it's a constant, like, cat and mouse kind of game, trying to stay ahead of it. Uh, I don't know. That's the only real problem. Other than that, I think it's fun. We're uh, doing pretty good. We got to, you know, we met. We were supposed to open April 1st, uh, but obviously that didn't happen. The coronavirus shut everything down around March 21st, I think. Uh, so that pretty much shut us down. But I had a goal uh, set regularly that just, you know, in a conservative goal, no big, big thing, but um, that I wanted to be able to get 25 members uh, in the first month that would be signed up and, and on the draft or whatever. Uh, and we did. We got 28 in the first month. Nice. Uh, so I know that's not like gangbusters numbers or whatever to a lot of people maybe, but to us that was exactly what we needed to get done. Um, so that was really good. That felt great. Um, now that I'm the only coach, it's a little bit different. Uh, there's nobody to kind of fall back on every day for other stuff or to make sure that some stuff is getting taught or, you know, whatever, that everything is getting taken care of. Um, it's really interesting trying to figure out how to build a complete game for somebody, uh, for some different bodies. Uh, two or three different people maybe at the same class that are one six four, about 200 pounds and one's like five six, about 180 pounds or whatever and they got to do the same stuff kinda right and so you got to figure out how to build this game and like what we're learning doesn't always make sense unless you've already gotten a lot of like background information from something else maybe so if you're a new guy that's coming twice a week, you, you're, you're going to miss the lessons that are kind of been building up to where you're going to come in at Tuesday or Thursday or whatever. And so it, it, you're, you're going to be missing chunks of the puzzle sometimes. And so that's hard to try to – like we're, we're doing certain things, and it's like, all right, guys, we're going to go into this triangle or whatever, and then like then you have to spend the whole class teaching just a triangle again because two or three people have never even really seen a triangle yet. Or for example, you know what I mean? Just anything like that. Uh, so that part has been really interesting, trying to figure out which way to kind of pivot during class time when, people, when specific people have specific needs. Um, but everybody's cool, man. The biggest thing that I'm, I'm happy with and proud of so far is that everybody's like, they talk about the vibe in the room and the way it feels to be there and how, how exciting and like how cool it is. And like they're enjoying training and, and they feel like they're getting a lot out of the way that we teach. Um, that's what's been the most rewarding part of it all so far. Obviously I think we talked about it before on the other podcast, just in general, but I think, I think for myself, that's a bigger, bigger part of it all anyway. And if you two, you talked about, I think it's just realizing that we're, you know, we're actually trying to help people and we are, they, when someone tells you, hey, man, that really helped, I really like that, that's really useful, 
and you, it's something you gave them. It could be a technique or it could be a tool, you know, or you let them borrow whatever that you had or whatever. It, as long as you can give something to somebody uh, that's really useful, that's, that's really valuable to me. Uh, that's one of the things that I take away pretty much every day now more than everything else is just trying to value those little interactions with each person. Yeah. So, like, with myself, um, teaching and coaching, that is 100%. The, that feeling is 100% the reason that I started coaching. Yeah. Personally. And uh, the, you was talking about the vibe at the gym. I have trained at – a lot. I can't even, I couldn't even count on, I can't even count to how many different gyms I've been a part of or been, been to because I used to work on the road mm-hmm. and I'd stay at one place a week, another place at a week, another place. And the vibe that's in your, your school, it, I've never in my entire life felt another school feel the way that your school feels. And it sounds like I'm blowing smoke or whatever, but Dude, it's like you the music that all the way down to the music that you're playing to how everyone on the mat is just wanting to um learn and they're hungry and they're like you tell them something and then they're they they're like wholeheartedly all in. They're into it, yeah. Yeah, and it was amazing to me to just be in that room and to feel it and to, to watch it grow the way that I have. So yeah, I I don't know about, um, like, when I started coaching, I used to try to build a a game plan every week and then build and then build and build. I literally had a lesson plan that I would make and try to grow from that. But it wasn't until probably the second year It's probably the second year that I've had a group of people that stayed the entire time. And I I started getting my systems together a little better then. But I I quit. Uh, I would do one week of back takes. And then the next week, we'll go from transitions from somewhere to a back and work on pressure from that position and then, and like build and grow from this position that way it related to what i taught last week but it you don't have to know exactly what i taught last week to be able to do today's move in my beginners classes right and um i got to a point to where i i just quit writing out the lesson plans and and doing all that because i you you have people that are brand new and the same people ain't here on this day that are here on this day. So you get stuck kind of instead of building, you just get stuck drilling triangles all week or, you know, whatever. You use triangles. That's why. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of got to where I would just say, hey, we're going to practice these triangles all week. And if we have some of the same people, I'm going to show them how to set it up or show them how to do whatever. And that was kind of a learning curve for me. And I still do my beginner's class that way. I teach side control uh, and the lingo. It's super important. Uh, one of my students was talking about that a couple of weeks ago. They, they didn't understand what I meant by 
uh, drop your hip or uh, he, I think his was uh, I told him to go to uh, twister side, which is reverse scarf to us. And he was like, what? I was like, reverse scarf. And uh, our twister side to me now. But uh, I was like, Same thing. and I was, yeah, I showed him the position and told it to him. And then every time I referred to it, he still, like later, still didn't catch on to what I was saying. So I make it a point to say, hey, we're going from half guard, this is half guard, to, uh, you know, side control one or side control two. And I give it a name and I show it to him. It doesn't matter what class I'm in. I always say, this is this, this is this. And that way people can kind of catch up and keep up. And your, your student base is going to change. You're always going to have that, that same problem, I find. Uh, I got up to 130 members right before COVID hit here in Eastman. And um, I was still having that same exact issue. And we've been here this, this year. Be, uh, it's been, I've had it for seven years. We've been opening the public for six this year. No, and that's what I mean. I think it's going to always be a problem. But I think at a certain point, now you've been open that long, now you've got several blue belts, a couple purple belts, to help. and stuff like that. And they can take one of those brand new people to the side and give them some of that, you know, fundamental instruction around the whole lesson that you're teaching. Uh, it's been really cool. That's one of the cool things, too, about, about here for me is that I do have some guys that are high level that are dropping. You come in and teach them the Wednesday night stuff, and everybody's really been uh, – hyped about that good feedback about the classes you've been teaching because it's different than the way i, I do stuff uh it's a small man so they they can some people feel like it's more relatable to them even though it's it doesn't matter it's just you know they feel like oh jimmy does it because he's small i'm a little bit smaller so that probably works better for me you know what i mean just the same reason that you see a lot of heavyweights in my class pictures that people are coming to train with me that are heavyweights that want to get into the system and stuff like that uh they want to come and see what it's like from a black belt in the tent planet system and so I, I forgot kind of, oh, and so like, yeah, the thing like with them always coming in and then I have black belts that are there like Taylor, he'll, he'll be there, you know, when his schedule allows, he'll be there two or three times a day. He'll come to 6 a.m. He'll come to 6 p.m. class. Uh, he'll do it two or three times a week. And so then if he comes to Monday morning, 6 a.m., we'll talk about like kind of like you just said, that's the way I teach now pretty much is like uh, we'll have a, fo a, a focus like spider web or getting to the back or we're going to work on getting to the truck or we're going to be dominating side control or you know whatever the theme of the week is and then we're going to do something different ish every class with some drills that kind of focus on either that or how to get to that or you know what i mean something like that and but once he's seen it and been in the class then if anybody shows up that's off or missed or whatever uh he can partner up with them and I can just trust that whatever he's doing is fine. Like, yeah. I, I don't have to worry about it. I walk over there sometimes and I just kind of give him a little head nod and thumbs up and be like, that's good. I like that. And then sometimes he'll be t telling them something and it's like, ooh, cool. That's a point I hadn't even thought about making. Uh, let's let's talk about that for a second with everybody. Uh, so that, that's really helpful. Having having people in there that, that are already a higher level really helps be able to teach more uh, people overall. Like your class, you can't have – 40 day one people in a class with one instructor but you could have one instructor in a 40 person class if it's a good mix of purples browns, yeah. blues, and everything um 
everybody can get a good lesson out of that, I still feel like. And I feel like that's where my school's just now getting. Every person that's here, with the exception of Troy and Dale, started with me. Yeah. That's still here. Like, then cool. blue, purple. That's really like, cool. all of them started with me. Um, I didn't get to pull a lot from others. You're not in that situation. No, <laughs> but dude, uh, Taylor, like some of his small detail, like old school details that I just forgot about or Tricky. that, yeah, that I see. And then I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to I'm going to put that in my mental rolling decks and keep it. So having those guys there is just is pretty cool. So um, you were talking about COVID earlier. Uh, what do you what do you think is going to happen with that? mean like what i don't do mean what do i think is gonna yeah happen? like you think it's just gonna run through your school eventually or do you think, I think that everybody's gonna probably get it eventually man i don't i hope i don't want to say it runs through my school but i feel like everybody's gonna eventually come, come in contact, contact with it and either uh be able to handle it pretty easily or they're gonna get sick from it at some degree um i really don't know man there's so much misinformation I'm not a scientist or whatever. I can read what somebody says and they can make a point about it that makes it totally believable for me. And then I can read some other scientific person's writing on the contrary. And sometimes I still feel like, oh, that makes a lot of sense too. So I don't know enough to say what's going to really happen or not. Um, we're doing our best to stay safe, making sure anybody that's sick or been around anyone that's sick is staying away. Uh, if we're brushing up against anyone, even like secondary contacts or third contacts we're staying away making people you know stay out for you know a little bit of time to make sure they're 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 not sick getting tested if anybody's you know feels like they were direct contact with people uh because i don't know and i'm not going to sit here and flex and act like i'm some kind of genius and scientist that knows that everybody's going to be okay or that i know that everybody's going to get sick and die i don't know i feel like more healthy people are going to get over it faster and easier because that's what it looks like right now uh, but then there's also been reports of totally healthy people that are getting really messed up from it and uh, experiencing a lot of, like, trauma. And, like, that's that's freaking scary to me. I'm not going to lie. Uh, the unknown part of it is what makes it so troubling to me. I don't want to be a fear monger. And so I'm not going to force people to be scared and, like, think death's knocking on their door or whatever. But at the same time, uh, if it is just the flu, like a lot of people are saying – then I don't want the flu either. I don't, you know what I mean? I don't want to catch the flu. I don't want you to come to the gym and train if you've had the flu, been around somebody with the flu, or any, you know what I mean? Anything like yeah, that. So it's makes like, sense. don't, you know what I mean? If, you, if you've always not been a jerk or an asshole, then you shouldn't be having to do too many big changes to be keeping people safe here uh, in a lot of ways, right? And people that came to training sick before and knowing they were coming sick and different things like that were passing around, that's the people you got to look out for. Right, you got to make sure that people aren't doing that kind of stuff, knowingly coming in when they're infected and things like that. Um, but, I mean, it happens, dude. It's going to happen. Uh, people who are playing it safe have, have called it. And I don't know. So we're going to keep it small. We're not. Thankfully, we're not a big school. Thankfully, most of our classes are pretty small. Uh, I think our biggest classes have been maybe 15 people or something like that. Um, we have enough mat space to give the required square footage of, of space to people allowed by the fire marshal. Uh, 
what does that mean that it's safe i i don't know but that's what they tell us <laughs> that's what the state's saying yeah safe. you know what i mean so like that's that's what they're allowing me to do and that's what they're saying is safe um i don't know we keep the door open uh when we're in there so like fresh like that's what they're saying like the closed systems is what's kind of causing it sometimes like circulating the same air over and over and over uh, so I, I open a door in the back or whatever while we're training and let the, air, the AC still runs uh, and it just gets fresh air in there with everybody. I got those uh, ceiling fans that are running. Yeah, you got a lot um, of fans over here, man. So Dry, quick. To, yeah, and trying to keep it, you know, I got the f filters. I don't know if they matter, but the filters and the air conditioner that are supposed to be rated for catching virus particles of all different kind of sizes and stuff like that. Whether that's let you, whether that's real or not, I, I, don't, I don't know. I trust I trust that they that they made that to that spec and that it's something that really works. But I don't know. We use the Whizzer uh, cleaner from the Defense Soap people to mop our mats and wipe down our walls and stuff. Uh, typically, I do it two or three times a day. Usually after six a.m. class, immediately. A lot of times after the kids' class, we have one kids' class right now, and then we have a forty-five minute window between kids and adults. That way there's not a lot of overlap of people in the building at the same time. Uh, a lot of the times, I'm not going to lie and say every time, but a lot of the times I sweep them up and uh, disinfect the mats between that kids and that adults class. Sometimes I don't, for whatever reason, have the opportunity. Maybe somebody's coming there and start talking to me or something like that. But so we're trying to keep it clean, trying to keep like extra clean. Um, the way that I see it is that hopefully it's not going to be as bad on those of us who are more healthy who have been training who maybe have a stronger immune system i hope that anybody that's training is being smart with their other loved ones that might be at risk though you know what i mean if you're going somewhere and training or getting around a bunch of people uh and you have someone high risk maybe that's really high risk uh maybe you need to you know a little bit more conscious of that as you're moving around throughout your day and it seems like a lot of people are if they know somebody that's really really high risk uh they're, they're being smart with them people's trying to keep their grandparents away and they're talking to them through windows and different things like that uh which seems like it's the smart thing to do for especially like the older population um but other than that man i don't know i'm afraid that it's going to get really bad and it's going to shut us down right uh, but I'm also afraid that we may overreact a little bit or too much and give away too much uh, in the name of safety. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to give away. Like, you know, I, I'm not trying to get into the big arguments about my freedoms or whatever either. You know what I mean? I, I Maybe we talked about I don't think we talked about this on the podcast or whatever. Maybe this was a different time we were talking. But, like, I feel like I grew up with the idea that I was gonna, I wanted to be a good citizen as much as anything else, right? Not that I was, you know, gonna always do the right thing or whatever, but like wanting to help other people, wanting to do the right thing, wanting to be good in the world, you know, help change the world for positive and stuff. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of conditioned that way. So when it seems like maybe the right thing to do is to wear a mask a little bit and stay away from people a little bit, not go to the big, huge, you know, gatherings of things like that. Uh, then I want to believe that's true and I want to do that. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't think that that should make me a bad person, that I want to try to do the right thing and be safe. But at the same time, I think that if I am stepping out and training and we are, you know, we're doing what we need to do, 
um, for A, to keep our businesses going, which is a very important, you know, it's really important for our life, for my wife, my family, you know, and for everybody else that has a gym. And then also like mental health, you know, being able to get out there and exercise and, and be able to do the things that you love to do, like being locked down is hard, man. That's prison. You know what I mean? I know our, I know our homes aren't prison and there's a lot of things that we can do and get by with, but at a certain point, people start going crazy, man. Uh, and I can't tell you how many comments I've had from people that were like, oh, I'm so glad we're just able to do this, man. If the gym closes down, I don't know what I'll be able to do mentally, you know, like yeah. it's just been so good for me, blah, blah, blah. Different, you know, so many people say that stuff and I feel it too. You know, I feel the same way. So I'm not sure if we need to do anything different or everything different. I'm just going to try to be smart. I'm not really doing anything except this training. I'm not really going to any other big gatherings or big stuff. I'm not going and doing a bunch of cross training right now either, honestly. Um, just to see what happens for the next few weeks. Uh, and that's kind of how I've been playing it the whole time, though. Even from the beginning when they shut it down, it was like, let's just see what happens over the next couple of weeks. you know. And then it seemed like it was getting pretty bad, right? And then it slowed down, and I was like, all right, cool. They're opening back up. Let's see what happens in a couple of weeks. Well, it didn't seem like it was getting bad, so everybody just kind of kicked it back into more of a full, like a full throttle kind of mode. And then now it seems like it may be starting to uptick again to where it's starting to get to be a little bit uncontrollable in, in a lot of situations. So then maybe we do need to scale back a little bit more. Uh, does that mean fully closed? I hope not. You know, maybe not do privates again or, you know what I mean? Something like small group training again. I don't know. But people need to be out a little bit. They need to be interacting with people face-to-face. -face and, you know, some people need to be working out and training a lot or, or they're going to fall into bad habits and or into bad situations that they wouldn't find themselves in otherwise. Yeah, I agree. We... Uh we had a, a couple of guys that tested positive um, at uh, that was going to the Douglas School and stuff, but like um, it's funny how it works. And what I mean by that is like my friend, he's super healthy. He runs. He does like these crazy uh, marathon things. Like he'll run. He run. He literally trains and runs like six miles a day, um, like to do these marathons and these twenty-four hour races. And his whole family got it. He was the only one that had any symptoms. He was the only one that ended up with a respirator. Really? Yeah, and it, it's crazy to me because he was the he is the, the most one. healthy, and he had like a, a eighty-two year old grandmother, like his living with him. And she got it, and, like, she was like, oh, you know, my vitamins, and took her, like, vitamin C and just stayed on her vitamins and kind of just hung out around the house. And, like, she said, oh, yeah, my throat was scratchy for a day or two, and that was it. And uh, But then I see people like him who are super friggin' healthy, super athletic, and uh, he, it almost, like, it almost took him out 
but he made it. He's fine now. His whole family got it. And now they're like, he's back to work. He's crazy. Yeah. He's like, he recovered. And so I, I honestly don't know how to handle it. But I do know, like, now the only thing that changed at our school, because we've always been really clean, is like now we're keeping cleaning logs. So every time we clean the mat, it's, there's a log. Uh, we're, we're also using um, air purifiers now. We got these, uh, these little, uh, it's like rainbow air purifiers that you put water in, and you, we just got them set up all over the school. But I'm, I'm not cross-training either, other than coaching at your school on Wednesday. I come here and coach during the week. And I coach at your school on Wednesday. I haven't really been anywhere else. Go to Walmart every now and then. Um, I've been to my dad's. That's that's literally all I've done. So I've been I've been pretty safe since February. But I'm I honestly like like you said. I'm I'm exactly I feel exactly the way you feel. Um, as far as I, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. The I'm hearing these huge death numbers, and then I'm hearing, oh, they're inflated. These numbers are exaggerated because the doctor, the hospitals are getting money if it's a COVID death. Like, I'm hearing both sides of this thing, and I don't know who to believe. And I don't know where to... It's probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I don't know where to look to really get my information from. And then it that... It almost plays into, like, politics, like, left or right. Are you left-leaning or are you right-leaning? Well, that's kind of what it's turned into for a lot of people right now, and that's why I was trying to say, like, I'm not trying to get into it as an argument either way because it's definitely not a political thing. To I don't care. I don't either. I don't care about your political stance. Me neither. Is this really dangerous? Is this really, really messing up a lot of people and killing them like like crazy? Then, then we need to take it very seriously. You know what I mean? I don't care if trump or whoever says it right. if, if it's real it's real if it's true it's true we need to treat it you know what i mean as such everybody everybody not everybody but what some people can lie you know a lot but some people that show the truth too and so you, that's what that's the problem when people lie a lot you don't know what's the truth anymore and the people in power that we're supposed to be able to trust no matter what color or whatever pin they wear for party affiliations and different stuff like that uh they have lied to us all so much about so many different things now that it's easy to disbelieve what the official narrative is or what they quote say. Uh, and and it's true. We've we've learned too many other things that has obviously been a lie, you know. And we know for sure that the government has experimented on people uh, with different sicknesses and stuff like that for several years, forty years, you know, the Tuskegee experiments or whatever with the syphilis. Like, they let these people live with syphilis for the rest of their freaking lives and purposely didn't give them the, the life-saving medicine or whatever that would stop all these different problems that they were having because they wanted to see what the disease would do to them over time. Like, just to have a real, like, from, from con, you know, from the contraction of it or whatever, however the word it is from where they got it to when they died and how what happened in that process. They, they would treat them for everything else. They wouldn't treat them for the syphilis because they wanted to see. So they gave them good care otherwise, but they wanted to let them keep this. But they didn't tell them that they told them they had bad blood. So, like, 
that's a real that's a real thing. And it wasn't super long ago in the world that this was happening. Uh, and then we all know, you know, crazy like stories about Germany and sh- shit like that back in the war, you know, World War Two and that era where they were doing all these kind of tests on Trying people. to build super soldiers. Yeah, and you stuff. hear about China doing stuff like that now. I don't know. I don't know if they are or not. Maybe that's propaganda too. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Uh, there's been too many mi- lies and misinformation along the way now that people who, who really want to be reasonable and use logic, it's, it's hard to use the logic because there's so many dead ends and, and mistruths that you can't, you can't trace all the way out easy. So you, were, you said something that, that kind of um, it, it sparked interest in my mind. Like It got my wheels turning, I guess, is how I would say it. I don't know exactly how to put into words what I'm, I'm trying to say, but that's the government. So should we put our trust into these government entities at all? Like as far as what what to expect or to come up with the cure or like cuz right now people are listening to who? The the government, I guess. Yeah, that's my point. And then you got you got people that want to give these people more power. And then you got people that are like I don't want them to have any power and like it's just two sides of that coin. I don't think, I think less is more to me personally. I think, uh, less, uh, government. Okay. I'm, I'm not a, a like, oh, we shouldn't have government type of person, but I'm also not, I think the government should stay in its place, stay in its lane, like roads, uh, things like that. I don't think that they should dictate is they could say, Hey, Here's a warning. Here's what's out there. Here's what's actually happening. And it's up to me as a free person to decide whether I want to put myself at risk or others that are close to me at risk. That's how I feel. Right. And then, but the the opposite of that or the argument against that is that, right. But then when your, your liberty, the, where your liberty kind of ends is where it starts to infringe on, on someone else's right, right. So then 100% if, if you could make my grandma or my whoever sick and die because your carelessness then is that this then you're infringing on my liberty to have my life and my happiness you know what i mean yeah. if, if it's you know what i mean if we really get that's the thing is like at what point so do you stop we if we could trust everybody we would do the right thing me and you, everybody like us, not not a government, everybody, then we wouldn't need the government. I agree. But the government is full of people like us. Not us, us again, but just people. People. Just flawed, people. People with yeah. flaws. People yeah. with greedy people. There's people that are dangerous, bad people that have hurt and killed people probably. There's really like mischievous people who've done all kind of bad business deals. and You know what I mean? There's all kind of, there's good people in there that are probably like trying their very best to make real positive changes or whatever, but you probably never hear about them because they're too clean. Well, you, the thing about that is, is when somebody's doing something good, most of the time you don't hear about it. it and because it don't create outrage or it's not a catchy title. Right. Nobody wants to read, oh, man saves dog. But everybody wants to read, man, this man grabbed a dog by his tail and threw it out in, in a pond or whatever, you know? Like, it, it's not... Um, eye grabbing or whatever so that's why we hear more about the negative things that people are doing or 
more of the conspiracy. You know, I think there's more good in the world than we see or hear about. I think there's way oh, more good. Definitely. If you- my house, my house just burned down, and like someone that I barely know, I sat in frozen bean and had a debate, just opposite sides. And I play devil's advocate for the people that don't really know me. I troll. Like, I'll pick the opposite side and just hammer in all the points that someone else hand, hammered in to me when I was on the other side. Like, I can do that because I really, I don't, I, I have my core beliefs, but outside my core beliefs, I don't, I don't pick, choose. I just, like, these are my core beliefs. I'm free. Don't mess with this. Like, don't mess with these particular things. And I'm good. Like, I'm good with that. Well, uh, and I, I was having a debate with this guy, and that was it. I invited him on the podcast, and I, I haven't spoken to him. And, like, he, he probably thinks I'm, like, super right-wing conservative, like, uh, probably thinks, like, I'm, you know what I mean? Like, which I'm not. But he probably feels that way. Dude, my house burnt down. First one to post on my uh post on my timeline hey this guy hasn't asked for help i didn't ask for help yeah i know and uh i I haven't i still haven't asked for help Uh, i won't ask for help because it'll turn out the way like the way it's going to turn out it'll turn out that way and uh but uh yeah so it'll turn out that way like where it'll uh where it's it's gonna turn out the way it's gonna turn out like if somebody didn't help me i'm like i'm fine um if somebody does help me then man like i i feel bad because i I, for one i'm not in a position to be able to repay you know what i'm saying that so for one i'm not in a position to be able to like give give back to this person or these people that that tried to help me and then like i can't like thank you just doesn't like me going out thank you for uh handing me twenty dollars like that don't seem like enough it it seems that that word thank you like it seems not i'm not gonna say empty because it's sincere when i say it but it just don't like it's not how you do normally it's the words don't seem enough does that does that make sense and so like nobody nobody's nobody's writing a story in the news about about these people that that helped me my house burned down the whole community like like raised like 700 and something dollars for us like like dude we got i got like 700 and something dollars that people that i don't even know that that seen this uh uh post on my wall and just donated money just gave me you know 10 i don't know if it's their last 10 dollars i don't know if it's whatever they but they felt in their heart to give and they gave and i'm sitting here looking in their names there and i'm like this person i don't even know this person and they they just gave me money so i could buy t-shirts and stuff like and then, uh, then obviously, I had some people that are friends with me that I, in real life they donated to that same thing as well. So, it but I know them, and 
you know, obviously when I see them, I, I don't, I don't feel like I, my head is held high. You know what I'm saying? Like I just took money from you, dude. Like that's why when people are trying to hand me cash, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm okay. Like, please, I'm good. But anyway, you don't hear about those stories. And that, I think that's, I think we need more of that in the world. I think that, uh, I think that so if stop watching the news and you start living in the in the world, yeah, and I and so I I haven't watched the news. The I haven't watched the news. And not the news, but like your phone, Facebook, yeah, all that stuff. Staying out of that loop, you know, all the time of people constantly looking for something to be uh, upset about or to argue about. Um, like you said, and and I find myself being the way that you're, you're talking about for yourself too. Uh, wanting to play the devil's advocate with people sometimes because these really extreme viewpoints on either side is wrong. It's wrong, they're yeah. Both, they're both wrong when they go to that really extreme side. I agree. And so it's easy to pick them apart to a certain degree because you're so extreme that you're saying, like, by saying what you're saying, you're basically agreeing to something really, like, terrible. Right. And, like, awful. For Bad. Them. It's like, you, you, you know that, right? And it's like, no, because of, it's like, no, no. You're being really extreme, no matter which way you're say it, saying whatever, uh, and that will destroy a lot of good people's lives by the way you're acting. So I don't have to agree with either side of those kind of arguments a lot of times. So I, I see what you're saying. I find myself often in the middle, too, because I try to be honest about what I see and what I've read and what I've heard and what I've seen and read and heard. Um it's it's not what everybody thinks. I think a lot of people don't read. I think a lot of people don't study history. I not, agree. Not truthfully. Not uh, truthfully. They not, they lie about. They it. don't and they don't try to balance. They don't try to balance what they're learning. Like oh no, all about the history, but you didn't learn it, but from one side. So like you can't always just read who won or who lost or whatever. You got to read like stuff from the period where people that were talking about it. What were they saying? Like, you know what I mean? Around around the Declaration of Independence. What were they arguing about? Not what did they agree to. What were some of the big fights about that everybody was arguing about and stuff like that? Uh, slavery was one of them even then. Like, there was a lot of arguing going on about that. Uh, Thomas Jefferson tried to slip some, like, abolitionist stuff in there. But they called him out. And they were like, no, nah, we're not going to, you know. So there was a faction of them that wanted to go ahead and do it right away. But there was a faction of them that was definitely like, that we're not going to do it. We want to have our slaves. So it's like both things are true. Both of those kinds of people were there trying to start this country and, and, and trying to get these ideals set out. And some of them were flawed. All of them were flawed, I guess, honestly. But some of them had like really big flaws and, and different things like that that they never, they never really were able to reconcile themselves. But like the ideas that they had and the things that they said back during their time were really relevant and powerful and they matter a lot more today than people think about because they they don't even really know what they, they just know what somebody else told them or they remember what they learned in fifth grade social studies which is george washington never told a lie <laughs> you know what i mean yeah chop down the cherry tree or whatever that yeah you know, he's like he never told a lie in his entire life and, you know and people were taught I, that dude, i believed that for a long time until i got older and really started learning and because i like history like i like knowing history uh a bunch of different kinds too not just you know american history but like i like to learn 
different kinds of history about different places and you can see like one thing I, I, I picked up on too in the last couple of years that people talked about uh, that I thought was interesting is like when you're when you're studying history, one thing to look at is not necessarily um, always what happened specifically, but look at like migration patterns of people where did these people move to and from and why like all over the world all over the world different, I never thought about different it. people have migrated from place to place for food or for safety or for whatever the reason is because they just wanted to 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 search you know what i mean they wanted to just find things you know and that and that's been more of the history of the world that kind of thing is it's more of a migration and I don't, I don't know that, that anybody, again, anybody's, nobody's right. Nobody's clean in history. If you're here today, some of your ancestors did some bad stuff to stay here, probably. You know what I mean? They had to be hardy. They had to be badass. Nobody that's alive today came from an ancestor who was weak. If your ancestor died young, that's not your ancestor. They didn't have kids. They don't have a bloodline. Your, the per, they lived at least long enough to procreate and have one child. Somebody, you know what I mean? Everybody yeah. in your line. There's nobody in your line that didn't live long enough to have a child that made it to be able to have another child. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're not, you're not descended of weak people. None of us are truly descendants of weak people. Can't be or you wouldn't be here. The world, like... Nature doesn't, like, let you stay hardly. They do more now probably because of all the technology we have and the therapies we have and the, and the civilization that we try to say we live in. To, for people, we can, we can prolong life in different ways. But also a lot of that stuff is also what's killing us. It's what's giving you the cancer that you're trying to learn to treat and defeat is the way that we live our lives every day. And we're just we're so far removed that we don't even know that nobody even knows that and we don't know how to get back to that and maybe that's what we're fighting for and against all the time is that that weird like yearning for some kind of normalcy that's never going to be there in a in a big dense city with concrete everywhere and blocks and buildings and all you know uh, maybe we'll never be designed for that uh i don't know Right, but I think that those are a lot of the conflicts that people are having. Uh, it's still just territory. It's still just like my ideals versus your ideals. Well, I think um, that's why I think that's why jujitsu is so popular. Yeah, because uh, you, when you look at it, it's a struggle, and it's is even though we're not killing one another. Like when you roll, you you're, you I technically killed you. That tap or whatever means, you know, like I died. You just died or you got something broken. Yeah. Like something's broke and then you die or you die. Right? You have a hard rest of your life because now you're missing <clears throat> an arm or whatever. Yeah. So I think that what you were just saying is why jujitsu is like for me, it's medicine. No, I think it is for everybody. Dude, I swear, like, when I quarantined myself the first time and closed the school, and probably within a week, I noticed a, a huge difference in my mental, uh, like, uh, where I was mentally. 
like I noticed a huge change in myself, like a huge change. And I'm not saying like, oh, it was just a, like, oh, I just felt like I was a little more irritable. No, like it, it was a huge change in me, period. Like I was more irritable. I wasn't happy. Uh, I think we talked about that last time. Like I just was not a happy person. And the longer I went without it, the more depressed and upset and the less I wanted to be around others, I was. Like I just, I just, and I think that that comes from society. Like we're hunter-gatherers and we're trying to live a life of sitting in front of a table and trying to hack away on a keyboard all day or, or you know, make phone calls or whatever it is that we do. Some of us, you know, paint cars or whatever, but um, or mechanic, but still you're, you're not physically like walking miles and miles and miles and or hunting or dragging. Like you're not having that. And jujitsu pushes your body to that point. I, 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 so, I wholly believe, like, believe that. And I think that that's why it's, so, why it's so popular. I think that's why so many men show up and then they're like, this is what I've been missing. Yeah. You know? it's, it's that. It's the physical side, I believe, is a big the, part the of it. The camaraderie, sure. too. The camaraderie. But then also, like, dude... And this is something maybe a lot of people don't think about as much, but like getting touched, like touching someone, having like contact with another person, person, you're like hugging them. And like, you know, even though it's not like a hug, hug, like you're really not affectionate hug every time, but you're constantly like touching each other and you're around other people that are like having fun. And like, that is, that is contagious. Like that yeah. feeling. Um, and then you went from being somewhere like, uh, you know, you're you're being around people. You're getting love every day from a lot of people, uh, and then all of a sudden it's just gone. So now you're abandoned, right? And then that's when a lot of those negative feelings and stuff like that can start happening. Uh, fall into old patterns from when you maybe were that way at another time before you felt like yourself now. Um, a lot of people have commented on that. To me, like jujitsu brings you out of your bubble. It brings you out of your shell. You make a lot of cool friends that you didn't think about before. It could be a cool friend, uh, people that you really learn to care about and stuff. And then if that gets taken away, then you just have to go sit in a room basically or in your house for X number of weeks or days or whatever at a time. And that could be for an injury or that could be because of this kind of quarantine or, or whatever the case may be. Uh, it happens over time. And it's easy to fall into those old traps when, you, when you're stuck into a, a position like that where you're not able to go out and, and do and be with the people that you want to be with. I think jiu-jitsu is truly a, a melting pot of cultures like um, for all people. I, I've never been to a, uh, a school where there wasn't like people from all walks of life. Yeah, and... I think that, like I said again, like what you were just saying and what I was saying is that that's why people are strong to it. You, the affection, uh, everybody on the mat just want to see you pull that move off. When you go compete at tournaments, 
if you ever go to peak. A lot of people don't compete. Yeah. Uh, but if you do go compete, like win or lose, man, the feeling that your teammates give you while you're there is amazing. And and then being stuck without it, like I said, man, I was, was not a good person. <laughs> and, <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. I agree. But speaking of that, like everybody that that I never realized until this this whole thing happened recently with my home and stuff of like how how much or how close we all are. Like dude, it's it's unreal. A lot of times like I don't wanna say it, it sound bad or whatever, but I feel alone. You know what I mean? Like my 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 girls are growing up, and I'm around people, but I feel alone. And uh, this whole thing has it really. There, there's people still helping, and it it just it is a weird. It's so weird for me, because usually I'm the I'm the I'm the friend like. Uh, Hey man, uh, you're the helper. Yeah, yeah. Usually, I'm I'm the one that's. Hey, I need to, you know, I need to fix this window, or I need to to do this, or hey, do you know how to put a floor? Like whatever it is. And usually, I'm the one. Like, yeah, I got the tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got that. Yeah, man, I'll come over. I'll show you how to do it, or or I'll do it. Like that's who I am. And now people are like rallying. It feels like I maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it feels it feels so weird. And at the same time, I'm I'm humbled, but at the same time, I feel it don't feel it feels good that I have help. It feels so good to know that that people look at me and go, "Man, I want to help him," but then I feel bad because that's not who I like. I'm supposed to. Is it my ego? Like I'm supposed it's not to. Wrong. It's not wrong. I'm supposed to be. I, I got me. Yeah. I'm. Most, and most of the time, that's the truth. And for the last several, however long that has been, that I can really remember, I guess you you have. You've been fine. And Chase and I were talking about this the other day when he came to the gym. Uh, something happened. There was something. I think maybe that pad had fallen off the wall at the gym or whatever. Uh, after that, and I was just like, yeah, man, I just went ahead and, like, stuck it back up real quick myself because uh, I didn't want to bother Jimmy. He's like, yeah, because you know he would have been over here, like, in an hour or so just trying to work on that wall no matter what. And I was like, that's right. Like, and you, you always are that way. Dude, I remember one day we weren't, I mean, I guess we were always good buddies and stuff like that, but, like, the thing, honestly, dude, uh, you – Really, that let me know for sure that you were going to be a good person and someone that I could, like, rely on if I really probably needed you and you were going to be a good friend. Uh, several, several years ago, man, I was, uh, when we lived in Macon, I left my gear bag with all my training stuff in it down in Bainbridge, uh, which was three and a half or so, three hours away from where I was. And we only had one car at that point. Uh, so I didn't have my own car. Mandy had a car, and mine wasn't working or whatever. And so she had to drive her car to work the next day. So I couldn't go back to get my gear bag 
And so I wasn't going to be able to basically do any training for the whole week. Uh, and this is when I was fighting. So I had like shin guards, boxing gloves, MMA gloves and everything. And I was like, is anybody coming up this way from around Bainbridge uh, in the next couple of days that could bring my stuff or whatever? And you're like, oh, yeah, I'll be, uh, I'll be up around that away, you know, or whatever. Bainbridge is kind of on the way. And I was like, uh, I don't really know how that'll work out, but maybe that's true. And then, but like you went all the way from like Douglas over to Bainbridge out of your way and got my stuff and then brought it to me in Macon just to help out. So I don't know if you really remember that or not, but that's been several years ago. Uh, that was before, obviously before we moved to San Diego and stuff like that. Um, but once I realized that, I was like, all right, this guy right here is legit. This is like a legit dude. If he, if he says he's going to do something, if he says he wants to help you out, he's going to do it. And, and that's always been the case, dude. You've always been solid like that. You've always done everything pretty much that you told me you were going to do. Sometimes it may have took you a little bit longer <laughs> to get there. I mean, that's what I'm saying. That's fine. Like sometimes things happen and sometimes, and honestly, like sometimes it turned out to be harder than we thought or it swerved in the middle of it and it took another, you know what I mean? But you've always consistently came through every time. And so that's what I was saying for you. I know it was hard, and I know it has been hard or whatever, having to be needy. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't want to be that guy that needs anybody's help because you're the helper. And so to that that's a flip-flopping of your identity. So that's, that's probably stinging your ego a little bit subconsciously. Uh, that's probably not what you think it is, but I it, think it's, it's it not just, bad. It probably it's, is 100%. It's it just don't, to me, it just don't feel good. Yeah, and like I, but I need I need I needed the help. I need it, but I'm I wouldn't have asked. I would have never asked anyone. And for people to do that for me, it just meant a lot. Yeah, like when someone, whoever it was that called me and told me what happened, they're like, "You can't let them know who this is." Is Zach? He's like, "Nope, wasn't Zach." Uh, he's like, "Can't let him know who it is because he'll be mad." But I know he wasn't going to call you. But I feel like you need to know this just happened right now. Really? And I was like, "Okay, cool, appreciate it. I'll give him a call." It had and, to have been uh, Zach. It wasn't Zach, promise. Um, Zach. It wasn't, promise. I, I was actually ill uh, because of Facebook, uh, Taylor made a Facebook post about our house. Yeah. And that's when everybody, like people in the gym had already knew because I got the call in the middle of the gym, like in the middle of class. Yeah. And I had to go like get the dogs. Mm -hmm. uh, man, this, the guy's uh, name's Eric Riles. Shout out to Eric, man. Uh, Riding by on a, a like a golf cart gator type deal, and seen the smoke, kicked our door open to let our dogs out of the house. Nice. And uh, like my pit bolted. He ran like two blocks away. Don't blame him. The little corgi, <laughs> she had she's white, but at this time she was she looked like a gray dog because she was covered in smoke and uh, and uh, soot. <laughs> she had steam rolling off of her and she just come prancing down the down the steps like the house is on fire but everything's cool sorry guys yeah <laughs> yeah and uh but yeah uh like thank god he was there to get the dogs out yeah but we like we lost everything uh the the stuff that didn't burn got uh water damage and then there was a the material in the ceiling it was asbestos. Nice. So we we weren't Pretty allowed. Everything's gone. Yeah, we weren't allowed to get anything. Um, uh, I did get uh, 
the Amazon, uh, the plastic Amazon, um, the Alexa. Okay. Yeah, I got it. And before I knew there was asbestos in the house and stuff. So, like, I got it and cleaned it up real good. And uh, so we got we got to keep an Amazon Alexa. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> we just lost everything but this Alexa. But dude, no. And there's another interesting, like, funny thing, too. I was, we were talking about this. Uh, I was just looking at Facebook memories today. And, like, six years ago today, you had this big post about somebody else's house fire where you were asking for help from all your friends and you are tagging a bunch of us. Like, I know y'all don't know this person or whatever. But I'm just hoping more people will see this. Really? Because, yep, six years. Like I don't 20, even re- 2014. Uh, you can probably look it up today. It's funny. It's funny. Cause I, I don't even remember that. To you and I was like, I saw that. Uh, uh, I don't even remember. That's what I'm saying. So that's what I've been telling you, dude. Is like you consistently just do stuff for people. And maybe those people giving you that 20 bucks is the first time they've ever been there. Like you said, they felt bad, too, when you were doing all this stuff for them a lot of times and helping them when they probably really needed it and couldn't do anything back for you. And then now, maybe it's been 10 years later or five years later, or and you forgot what you did for this person, but they owe you the same way that you feel like you would owe them because of whatever you may have done for them before. Like, I don't doubt that that's probably the case for a lot of these people that are reaching out to you, especially ones that you probably know from before. Um, like, that's, that's not why you pay it forward. That's not why you do good things. Nah. But that's... That's why you do good things. Like, that's why you're good to people. Because if you're good to people, people will be good to you back when you need it. If you're not good to people, then when you fall on your face, people are going to laugh at you and point at you and be like, ha, I'm glad that piece of shit is house burned <laughs> down and he's his business. And yeah, man. now he's got to ask me for $20. Ha, ha, ha. You know what I mean? There's people that are going to be like that if you're, if you're a dick. If you've been rude to them and you've made them feel less than forever. But if you've always tried to build people up and you try to make them feel like more than themselves, uh, when they can help uplift you, dude, that's one of the best feelings. You know what I mean? Uh, so that's why I was trying to tell you just to accept it, man. Not saying, like, be out there setting up your own GoFundMe or whatever. You don't, <laughs> you don't have to do all that kind of stuff. Nah, but if somebody directly comes up and is trying to offer you help, it's, it's, it's good to accept it, man, because it, it may make them feel bad. If you don't, because like I said, it may be their only opportunity to have paid you back or whatever. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. That's the to be my perspective over the last bunch of years because I've helped a lot of people who screwed me over probably and didn't deserve to get helped. But then I've also had people who've come through and helped me in times that I really didn't think everything was going to work out. And... They went up. They gave me more than I needed, or than I not not more than I needed, but more than they were supposed to or needed to. And if they didn't come through that way, then some other really cool thing for everybody else wouldn't have happened. Yeah. So it's like you gotta. I mean, you gotta take the good with the bad and accept help when you need it. And then from here, you're just gonna go back and you're gonna be stronger one day, and you'll remember all this, and you'll you'll have a more compassionate side to people still. You know, because you won't think, I always do for everybody. But then when I needed it, where was everybody at? You can't say that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because everybody, we're not everybody, but a lot of us are there. And that, that's the biggest thing. Uh, people are coming out and they, and they want to show in you purposefully that they're there for you. And that's your tribe. That's your folks. And, you know, so it's unfortunate that your house had to burn and you had to lose all your property stuff. 
but I think you're, you're seeing who your people are a little bit more, and it's probably surprising you some of them are. Yeah, um, if I'm being honest, man, uh, I was when I talked to you on the phone. I don't know if you know this or not, but like I was sitting in front of a Frozen Bean, and I just we had just lost everything. They just told us that uh, the house had asbestos and stuff. And um, I was sitting in front of Bean, and I, I, I had tears in my eyes, obviously, because, like, I had a lot going on. But, like, it's just, like, everything just happened all at once. I don't want to get into all of my personal life or whatever. But, like, I, just a, a quick recap. Like, this year, uh, COVID happened. I lost one of my business, which took my entire life savings. Um, we lost over a third of our members here in Eastman. Um, I'm, I was struggl I'm struggling financially already. And then the house burnt and the, there, there was no renter's insurance because I had the wrong address on the paper. I had my old address on the, the paperwork. So, um, yeah, it, and the thing was, is like my, my kids still live there at the other address so basically paying for the, which is fine they're paying for their their renter's insurance whatever but uh i was sitting there and like people have already tried to help like hand me money and i was like no i'm good i and i don't want your money like i in my mind was like pity you're pitying me and i, I don't need that I'm low enough right now. I don't need pity. And you spoke to me and you said a bunch of nice things like you did just then. And, uh, man, I, you know, I, I, I continued crying or tearing up. And I accepted the help, like, uh, from Mike. I accepted Michael Holiday. I accepted the help from him when he posted that on my wall. Like, cause he messaged me. He's like, "Man, please let me do this." And I was like, "No, nah, I'm good. Please don't. It'll embarrass me. Like, I'll feel less than a man because I'm. I I spent my savings trying to go after my dream of being a, a having more than one gym, having being being a successful business owner, and um, so I I spent all my savings. I didn't have any money." This school was is barely barely here, like nobody really knows that it was. It's barely it's still hurting, but we added we added uh, thirteen new members a uh, week for last. So we're 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 way better off than we are than we were, mm. but we're still not out of the. Way yeah yeah yeah. I went almost four months without income, and the bills they keep coming. Mm. You know, and uh. So I charged a lot of the debt here on credit cards, which actually lowers your credit score because your credit card utilization goes too up. High. It's too high. So then by the time I needed a loan, it's too late. It's too late. And uh, which I, 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 like I said, I've had a lot of people that love this place and have done a lot to keep it here. And then, um, Anyway, I was sitting there and I was just like, I was at my my breaking point, and then you called me the other morning and said what you said, and 
it changed my thinking a little bit. It changed. Uh, uh, obviously, I don't do anything for anybody and expect to get anything in return. I never have. Like, uh, I honestly, um, uh, I don't really remember going to get your bag. Uh, I remember. Um, I'll never forget that, dude. That was such a big thing. Yeah, well, that's to me, that's awesome. I'm glad I could do that for you. Like, um, I, I remember going somewhere. Uh, at somebody's house for something, but I it was, was I guess it, it was at Mandy's mama's. I guess it was your bag. Yeah, yeah it was my gear bag. But I, I don't. I didn't. I didn't even. I, I hadn't my, even all my stuff so I could train. Yeah, so I hadn't even thought about like I don't. Yeah, it's, don't, been, it's been several years ago. So yeah, there's no reason that you would have thought about it because it wasn't a big deal to you. No, it, that's uh, what I'm saying. Like it, it didn't matter to you. It wasn't just like okay, yeah, it's just a couple hours out of my way. Yeah, you know, I didn't realize. Um, I didn't realize how far Bainbridge was. As far. From Douglas. As far. But. Um, Once you committed to it, though, you did it. That's what I'm saying. Like, you said it. And you oh, well, no, it, I and mean. Uh, and, like, I, well, even if you re realized it later or not, it was too no, late. No, no, no. I went to, uh, I went there to see you fight, I think. Or was that? Mm -mm. Not Bainbridge. Thomas. Thomasville. Thomas That's where you fought. That's what I'm thinking about, I think. I don't know. I don't remember. Okay. Honestly, I'm sorry. No, you don't have to be sorry. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's just, it's funny that you don't remember it, but it doesn't matter. That My you mom's, yeah. I get punched in the head for a living, man. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was a long kidding. time ago, too, because it was when I was still, uh, we were still in Macon. At that, so that was probably, Thomas wasn't even born yet, or she wasn't even Seven born. or eight years yeah, ago. at least seven or eight years ago. So, like, we've done a lot since then together too yeah. you know so it's like it's not it's not strange that you don't really remember that but i do and that was a well, big, that's good i'm glad i'm glad but that's, like, that's, that makes me feel good and that's what i was saying to you is like there's 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 stuff that you probably just don't even think about anymore man that like people that people meet you and they think about it still you know what i mean the people that you've helped out in here or other places you know yeah. they they still remember even if you forgot well man so, i'm i'm grateful like i if if I come across as ungrateful or anything like that on this podcast today, like I'm, I'm grateful for the people that have helped, um, dude. Well, I've had because of whatever. Like I've had, I have had some idiots too. Oh yeah. Like I, I, I kind of want to put them on blast, but I'm not going to. Um, but the the comments and and stuff that was made. After the man, it was young, it had, me, it had me mad. Like after, your, after the fire or whatever. Yeah. So um, I, I, I'll say a roundabout. So Michael Holiday is uh, they call him Big Texas. He's the one that set the the cash app and stuff up for the people to to help. He's the one. Like he messaged me. He's the one that I was debating. Yeah, I saw, I saw the I saw the post on Facebook myself. Yeah, and you you shared it. Thank yeah, you for that, by the way. But it it took nothing. Yeah, but I mean, you <laughs> cared though, you right? cared it's enough to do it. Yeah, you cared it's, enough to do it. Was helpful. But um, so he's the activist here in town for BLM. Like they're trying to get rid of the Confederate statue, mm -hmm. and like he's protesting on like Tuesdays and Saturdays or something like that. But he's the one that helped me. Like he is the one. I didn't ask. I didn't ask 
for any, like no one. I didn't even want people to know my house had burned. Like, I was, I was legitimately like, uh, I don't know why, but I was just like, man, now everybody's going to be like pitying me. They're going to be in my face. And I don't want to feel like I owe somebody something. I don't want to feel bad. So I wasn't going to say anything. And then uh, Matt Oxley had, was building me a PC. The PC was like $1,300. Uh, well, just the PC. But then the, the other stuff, it was like more like $1,600. The, the quote was for $1,670 or something like that. And he sent it to me. And I messaged him, and I was like, oh, I'm sorry you did all that work and all that research <laughs> for this $1,600 computer. Uh, I, won't be able to do I won't be able to do this right now. I was going to set it up. I was going to use it so we could uh, live stream Twitch to our classes for the parents to keep, the, keep people out of the gym because so of COVID. Right. So it was a business deal for me and uh it, it still needs to be done but my computer quit the one that i had it, it it crapped out on me so i needed a new one i asked him like hey man uh, i don't know if i can afford it right now or not but could you work up a, a thing he sent me that thing while my house was burning like i was sitting out there watching them the firefighters and stuff holding my dogs and i got a message and uh, the community in our, our neighbors and stuff, all of them come out there. They wasn't just watching either. And what do, we, what do you want us to do? What do you need us to do? Everybody was so friggin' nice to us and helpful. And I like, it just made me feel good. Anyway, long story short, he sent me that. And I was like, dude, my house just burned down. Uh, don't say anything to anybody or whatever. But I, I'm going to have to hold off on this. I don't, I don't even have a place. I don't have anything. And uh, he said, okay. And nobody, the people in the gym, they, they was like, are you going to be okay? I was like, yeah, don't worry about it. Let's just train and uh, we'll, we'll figure it out when we know more. Just don't say anything. Just don't worry about it. That's what I told everybody when I got back. And then Taylor made a post because of like thanking the, the neighbors and because people were checking that knew mm -hmm. and she made a post and i had took a picture of eric and well, i actually had doc take a picture of eric and the firefighters and i told him i said please take the pictures i'm gonna thank them later not right now but later i want to be able to tell the people that come out here thank you mm -hmm. so i i asked him to take those pictures but i wasn't ready to to for the world to yeah, and Taylor made that post, and man, my phone just boop, 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 just constantly, and like, I turned it off, and then people are like walking up to me, trying to hand me like $20 bills and, and, and things, and it, I was like, no, stop, no, stop, I probably turned down a couple hundred dollars from people. And um, it felt good that they wanted to help me. But it, it, if I would have physically took the money, I would have felt bad. Even though I needed it. Like, I, was, I needed the money before my house burned. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? But anyway, um, so like I was, I was upset that that she had posted that when she posted it because she we didn't talk about it, and I'm a I'm not a private person. I'm a, I'm a I wear my feelings on my sleeve. If I'm upset with you, you know I'm upset with you. If I disagree with you, you know I disagree with you. That's who I am. But at the same time, I'm not. I don't want people to look at me like like a charity case or whatever. And I, I don't want people, I, I definitely don't want to be looking at like I'm taking advantage of some type of situation. And when people offer you stuff and you don't even really know what you need yet, like, dude, you didn't realize how much you need until you don't have anything. You know how many trips to Walmart I've made in the last four days? Oh, my God. Band-Aids. Every little thing. Benadryl. Everything. Tylenol. It's crazy. But anyway, uh, everybody rallied. You, you guys, you, you sat there and you talked to me and changed my mindset. Uh, people, like, just did so much for me, and I appreciate it. And it, it's just crazy to me. Um, it's just crazy to me how much people have helped. And uh, words, words that you told me and, like, what that you said and words, like, a lot of people are saying, what can I do? What can I do? What can I? It means a lot, just people asking. And then there are people that see the, the cash app on my page where Mike had set that up. And uh, people see that, and they're donating money. And a lot of them I don't know. There's a lot of people that I do know that are, that are looking out. But because of who he is, that's where I was going. Sorry, I was full circle. I talked too damn much, man. But full circle, because of who he is, he's the BLM activist. Mm-hmm. And then here in town, we got the Sons of Confederacy or whatever on the other side of the deal. Because they, they say it's the history, their heritage, uh, that that monument is not only it's all the wars like, that were fought before and stuff. And they're like, it's part of history, this and that. I don't know both sides because I wasn't involved in either side of that. I didn't even know the damn thing was there until it there's became an issue. yeah become an issue. I didn't like I've been, I've lived here for a long time and I've never even seen that statue. I've been to the courthouse. I've never even like looked up. Oh, there's a statue there. There's one in Bainbridge too that's down on the square just like that and. I guess growing up, I never thought of it. I never knew it was like a Confederate soldier monument. Yeah. I just knew it was the soldier that was downtown on the square, kind of like the same thing. And uh, it's, again, same thing, I guess. Those those are all coming up for questioning and different things for different yeah. reasons. Yeah, and, and whatever so the reason like, is. It's not the point of what we're talking about. Either. Right, whatever the reason is, it's one of those things to me. I didn't know anything about it. But because Mott posted what he posted and was trying to help me, I had people messaging me telling me, like, oh, well, that don't take that money. It comes with a price tag. They're just trying to get uh, white business owners on their side to to take our statue down, to take our monument down. It, and then I had people, I had one guy message me telling me I was, a, I was a traitor to my race if I took the money. 2020, baby. And, uh, like, and then I had uh, another guy uh basically tell me like hey man uh, i understand you're in need and stuff like that but this is all political all of it's just a political whatever 
to say that they they help uh, both sides or whatever, and that's confusing. Yeah, it and dude, I in my entire life I've never experienced anything that that crazy or that weird. But my response to um, my response to the race trader guy, uh, it was it was hilarious. It was uh, my response was, "Oh, okay. Well, what have you guys done for me?" And I put in quotation marks, "race." And uh, dude, I, I don't see race. I treat each person by the character of their how they treat me. Like, and I, I and that it sounds like, "Oh, you don't see race." Like, you get into that subject, you get into those types of things. People can say what they want on both sides, and when you, if you try to say I'm not this or I'm not that, it can be turned or moved or whatever. I don't even want to get into that because I don't pay attention to that type of thing. But I, here's what I do know: that guy didn't know me from Adam's house cat. I literally met him in the frozen bean, and he asked me if uh, I own the gym here, and I said yes. And he said he wanted to come train. He wanted to get a group of guys to come train. And I said, man, I would love to have you on my map. And I said, come train. <clears throat> he said, do you know who I am? And I said, no, sir. That don't matter to me. Come train with me. He said, well, I'm the, the, the uh, activist here. And I've been doing this. I've done this and this and this. And I said, oh, cool. And I said, I said do you like the debate? He said, yeah. I said, look, man. I said, I'm just going to share statistics and stuff like that. And I will just want to hear your, your rebuttal. And I said, I don't feel the way that I'm talking right now. I just love having these conversations to kind of see where people are. Is that cool with you? He said, yeah. We sat down. We talked. We did that back and forth. And uh, he was like, man, I really like what you said and I got a lot to think about I'm going to do some more research and I'm going to get back to you and that's how it was handled house burns down three weeks later this man makes a Facebook post raises money to help me and so I was wondering why uh, uh, he shared it right he's the first like, like you said he's the first one that kind of started the thing up and personally I knew that you would probably be a little bit offended and upset or maybe not offended, but like hurt or whatever, disappointed. I didn't know what the feeling was, yeah. maybe, but it, I didn't want to start that publicly. Uh, I didn't want to do something like that without your permission or without whatever the right, you know, without talking to you first or, or whatever it was. Uh, but once I saw he started it, I was like, cool. Hey, thank you uh, for getting, thank you for starting this up. Uh, and uh, he was like, oh, it's not about that. It's not about thanking me or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's not, you know, that's not what I was trying to say at all. I was just saying, like, I knew that you would, like, shut down anyone that just tried to do this if you knew who it was or if they were, like, someone yeah. that was really close to you. So thank you for going ahead and, like, stepping past his comfort zone in this situation uh, to get it done. So that makes sense that he was probably trying to take some of the shine off of himself in that situation because he didn't want to he didn't want anyone to actually look at him that much in the yeah. situation um i want to say this too 
because this this is like super important to me so they were doing the the protest uh, across the road over there now anybody that knows me knows me like they know who i am how i how i carry myself and all this this man done that for me and i seen him i didn't care that he was over there protesting and like they've been over there every week up to this point but i seen him as i was riding by and i said i looked at taylor and i said i need to stop by there and just tell him thank you now i didn't realize that they had like cameras going live and all this other stuff i didn't realize none of that like because i i haven't been following it like it's nothing that it didn't affect me personally one way or the other like if they take it down they take it down like i never even noticed a damn thing anyway like it's not bothering you yes as a person and i don't know how to say that either way it's not bothering yeah you. either way yeah so like I don't, i'm not i'm truly not on you're okay with whatever the community decides is the yes best move. whatever they decide is the best move and that's how i want to be because the truth is man is like uh if it's that big of deal to whoever like i'm sorry like i i hope that like whatever happens happens for the best of everybody but i just stopped by there to say and said hey man i just wanted to tell you like thank you and you know uh you didn't have to do what you did and i appreciate it and this man said hey he was he was making he had like a, a bullhorn and he was i didn't see all this when I, when I stopped in there but like he was standing there people were just standing there nothing was being said as soon as i parked he started talking on this bullhorn and i was like oof i need to i need to go but now i'm here too it's too late so i kind of just walked up like sheepishly and i was like uh, hey man i, I want to say thank you for what you did and he said, hey, uh, y'all cut, cut them damn cameras off. Cut them cameras off. And uh, he said, don't post those videos. And everybody put their phones down and kind of backed up. And he was like, this man, come, uh, he didn't ask me to do this. And he didn't, say, he didn't come to me and ask me to do this. He, he barely knows me. And uh, he said, I don't want to put his business all over the world like that or have him involved in this out here like this. He said, but his house burned down and us as a community, we need to help our own because he's, he's done a lot for Dodge County and he trains our kids and our youth up there and he's a good dude. I've, talk, I've sat and talked with him. He's a really good guy. And... Man, they come up to me with a, a water bottle had like that everybody had just like passed around or whatever, like $170 in it, and uh, gave it to me. And I haven't seen one video. I haven't seen him say one thing about helping me. He announced what he announced out there in front of everybody and basically to save face for me. Because Matt and other people that know me know that it would I would I would feel less than a person being publicized. Like not less than a person, but less of a 
a man, I guess, is how you how I would say it. But like, I would feel less of a because I'm it, I'm a, it's like charity, right? No, I get what you're saying. And I've never had that. And anyway, that it's guy normal to feel that way. Yeah, that well, that guy done that, and when he turned them cameras off, and he made that announcement, the way that he made that announcement, I'm like, this is a good dude, right? Like, this dude truly cares about his community people. and yeah. people. And he, like, he may be protesting people's history or whatever people want to say about him or whatever. Like, he feels, he, and I truly believe that he feels it's the right thing. And, and his character of telling them to turn the cameras off when I went up there to tell him thank you and That's telling people good. and not to post it. To me, that made all the difference. Like, you couldn't tell me that's a bad dude. No one on earth could tell me that that's a bad guy. Well, it just kind of goes in the face of what you were hearing, uh, I guess, on the contrary from people when they were telling you what, you know, like accepting this payout or whatever is, you know, if and so... If he would have posted you all up online and stuff like that when you were out there, then then you could have known that those people were probably right and that he was trying to use his influence with your influence, you know what I mean, in the community to do stuff. Um, but he didn't. But he didn't. That's what I'm saying. That sounds really cool. I don't know him. I, I really, obviously, I don't really know much about Eastman except for you in this gym. So I really definitely haven't been following anything about the protests here. But I know that it's a thing going on everywhere. Um, nobody really cares what my personal opinion is on it anyway, but it's yeah. pretty similar to what yours is for the most part. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I, don't, I, I don't really try to judge people too much based on other than what I see face-to-face, -face, like you said. Yeah, I judge, I judge each man based on the the – the merit of their character you know like if yeah. you show me you're a good person then you're a good person well it's, it's the the thing is that and i've said this to a lot of people a lot of different times a lot of different ways but i i think i think of it a lot and people say the term uh you have to earn my respect or you have to earn my res you know earn respect from people and it's like i i disagree with that like fully like, I, I strongly disagree with that. Respect I is the minimum. Like respect is the default. It should be. It's default. Everybody that you come in contact with should get respect first. Their actions then dictates the next level of respect or disrespect that they receive. Right. Based on who they are and how they're acting. But if I don't know you, the default is being polite, respectful, and seeing what's up from there. If, if it seems like you are going to be a disrespectful human or you, I can tell you're engaging in things that are like bad or however you want to say that, not necessarily illegal or illegal, whatever, but certain, you know, kind of like you're saying about your core, core beliefs or whatever, like that's, that's the same, you know, there's certain things that you just don't, I can't abide by no matter who or what says it. Right. It, it, there's certain things that no matter who, if they were, excuse me. If somebody was like for certain things, I would definitely have to reevaluate who I thought they were and my relationship with them. Um, and I think a lot of people are going through that right now uh, throughout the whole country. And 
it's, it's, it's political in a lot of ways, uh, for sure, because I think that's what the, pol the political people need is for uh, everybody to keep fighting each other about things that aren't really important. What's the not. most important? Not, 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 it's not yeah. important. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's not that it's not important, but it's that there's other really important things that are getting overlooked at this time because of this. And it's just creating more distrust amongst uh, everyone uh, from, you know, top and bottom, either from the citizens versus each other, the citizens versus the government. You know what I mean? And even like if you go so far as to get into the Q kind of conspiracy stuff, whatever you believe about that kind of stuff, then there's a big like government on government war going on behind the scenes that's that's like fueling all this stuff. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm not an intelligence like. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I, I don't have any channels in that stuff. Uh, and. That that's actually why I like to stay out. Is because I'm for one, I'm not educated enough to. I just like to observe. Yeah, and yeah, hundred percent. And I base my thoughts off of things I observe mostly. Hundred yeah, um, percent. I know that I can be gullible, so I know Me that too. I, I, I've fallen for good sounding information that wasn't right. Uh, because it sounded good or because it was presented in a really interesting documentary. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, I admit that. Dude, fully. I, I fully agree. Admit that. I, I agree. I've fallen guilty for some foo-foo bullcrap that it was now looking back was like, whew, I don't know why I was so dumb to kind of fall into that trap, but I've done it. So then when I see other people do it, instead of just immediately going crazy at them, I try to like, Understand, Fig understand, talk. and figure out a way to get them out of that bad way of thinking or that negative way of thinking or, or whatever. Just you know, and not that you can't. I can't argue into you into a different position. Right. We've argued about certain certain things as long as we, and like you you do it on purpose now for sure. I know uh, you just want to argue, but like there's certain <laughs> things that we're just going to disagree on every time, no matter what. We kind of talk about it. And how we talk about it at the end of the day, it's going to be a disagreement on that. Whip your kids, topics. people. Um, and I'm just kidding. It just is. No, it just is what it is. Like it, 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 how how a lot of people see that is not how I see that. And I and I truly think that that is a big problem with why we see what we see in the world now with a lot of people. Um, whether it's because there's not enough discipline in the home. Or whether the discipline that people are applying in the home is not the correct form of discipline most of the time. Uh, it's just punishment. Yeah. It's not discipline. That's not good. There's a difference between punishment and discipline. Yeah, uh, I agree. I'm not going to get into, like, like you said, it's not, it, to me, I'm not even going to argue about spanking or not spanking or whatever people do. It's about disciplining your children with your actions in front of them how you present things to them, what they see, how they see you act every day with other people. Uh, most of that, it, it doesn't matter what you say to them when you're upset or when they've done something wrong a lot of times. The, the point's going to almost kind of be lost right away. It's, they're going to develop off of, their, off of the actions they see that you put in front of them every day. The interactions you have at the store with that random guy or lady and how you do, you know, different simple things that 
don't take a lot of uh, like effort, but you can just get it done without, you know, needing <laughs> without needing uh, other people to jump in. I, I kind of lost because I knew somebody. Somebody was just coming up right there. Yeah, t- somebody t- made me miss my little one of one there. of my. Uh, parents the students parents just nice. come up and handed me something so. nice but yeah dude but so so yeah so what they're gonna that's what i said so they're gonna like the way i think about it is thomas for sure is gonna be more how i am not because of me sitting here lecturing him about how to act and how to be with people but how he's seen me be with other people most of the time uh and right now, it gets him in trouble. Yeah. Right now, what I do with my friends and the way I act with people, is <laughs> it gets a five-year-old in trouble because he can't just act silly and be crazy when he wants to. He sometimes, can't cuss. Sometimes he goes, yeah, so he can't say it, <laughs> even though he wants to, you know. And uh, that's the thing, too. Like he, he told his mom one day, he's like, I can just say it around dad. I can't just not around you and other people. And I was like, oh, you totally misunderstood what I said when I said that. <laughs> He's uh so that's Thomas is his uh his oldest. That's my son. Yeah, he'll be six in like two weeks. He'll be six. Oh man, um, you get big quick, don't they? Dude, and dude, it's been a challenge to to try to be the parent that I set out to be before he started walking and talking and getting into things like that. Uh, it's been a lot harder to be the kind of parent that I that I set out to be, uh, and I've not been perfect in every way that I wanted to be. I've not made all the right moves and I get frustrated as hell sometimes still none and of I us get have mad at my staff I get mad at myself for getting so mad about something that's inconsequential but that's normal at the same time for most parents that are living day to day with the same person that's learning how to live this life and they're gonna make the same mistakes over and over uh, trying to figure it out they're gonna know better and they're still gonna do stuff because they have to experience that's like you know same same thing with us like a lot of stuff i knew i wasn't supposed to do i still went out there and did it thankfully it didn't kill me or get me arrested 100 hurt some of my friends or somebody else randomly uh but dude i hear about stuff or like little you know stuff that teenagers are doing nowadays and it's like i know that we're the parents now and so we have to act like we're all surprised and like can't believe these kids would do that but like man Think about when we were teenagers or, or like I, some of the some of the people I know now, you know, it's like they're talking about how kids are. And it's like I remember when we were kids, you know, we were doing a lot of crazy stuff, too. And well, like a lot more crazy stuff. Sometimes, you know, dude, we used to jump off of this bridge. It was like 20 feet in the air. Like if you landed the wrong way, it killed you. Just the water. Yeah. Like the drop. Just the water went into a creek several times. Yeah, yeah, just the water would kill you if you landed wrong. Like you had to land a certain way because that's how high up it was. Like I think any higher than like where we were, it'd been like hitting concrete, the nice. water, and like we were right there at that that point. And a buddy of mine had his leg hanging out like to the side when he went, and it turned purple. All the way from his hip down to his foot, and I was worried he was gonna get blood clots and stuff. Oh, we used to do crazy stuff. I used to do backflips off the roof of the house. Yeah, see, I was never acrobatic like that. I was always too big. Oh, dude, me and my brother, we would we'd take the trampoline, jump on the trampoline onto the house, run back over 
hit a flip onto a trampoline and flip off trampoline. And then what would you do if you saw Tink trying to do that? I would flip out. Like, what are you doing? Absolutely. Why would you even ever try something so crazy? Dude, my mama would be out there with a damn, you remember them camcorders that were like this big that you had to put on your shoulder with a tape in it? She'd be out there recording us. Well, look what my baby could do. I'm going to make some money off of this. Look what my baby could do. (laughs) She thought it was awesome. Man, that's crazy. I hurt myself bad one time. I did a double front flip, landed, but I had so much forward force. My feet hit the ground, but my head and stuff just slammed my knees into my chest. I had to go to the hospital. (laughs) It folded me up like a lawn chair. <laughs> yeah, see, I never was big on jumping high out of things. Or oh, dude, we did it all the time. Too big. I was too big for all that shit. Did this shit all the time. Uh-huh. Me, and, me and my brother, we, we, we were dangerous. I would never allow my kids to do anything like that. Oh, man, that's crazy, dude. We used to, like, we grew up in the country, country, man. So, like, during the summertime, a lot of times, especially after the time I was, like, 11 or 12, uh, my older siblings were gone. They had either moved out or were doing other things in the summer. Uh, both my dad and my stepmom were either at work or gone literally from 7, 7.30 all the way until about 5 every day at least. Uh, and so I would just be out there at this house by myself, and I had guns. I would just walk around. Shoot. Just shoot stuff. Me too. Birds or tree, just any, just Anything. Just shoot, Whatever you just thought shoot, you wanted to shoot. shoot. 22. Yeah. Uh, a twenty-two. I had shotguns. Fourteen. Yeah, yeah. fourteen. I had twelve gauge. I had a uh, what's that? Was sixteen? I guess. Yeah. Which my brothers that would shoot sometimes. Like, and then like, that's terrifying now to think about. <laughs> like a kid walking around shooting. Imagine seeing a like a, a ten or twelve year old just walking around your your neighborhood with a gun, just shooting birds off of power lines or whatever, and just keeping on walk. I mean, we weren't in a neighborhood. That's the thing is, it was on a dirt road off of a couple other dirt roads. Dude, I lived in a trailer park, but. And we would walk through the trailer park woods shooting 22s, just shooting yeah. turtles off the, out of the pond. And like we, we was like half a mile from town. Yeah. But we, there's like 13, 14 trailers out there. And then there's another trailer park, two, like two blocks over. And we'd be out there on the back side of that trailer park shooting 22s at turtles and birds and yeah, man. So, I don't think kids that today are that much worse than we are. It's just they, different. They have access to different things. Yeah. Uh, they can talk to more people than we can. Uh, the internet has changed things so much that you can't even really quantify how different the world is from when we were 9 or 10 years old to where it is now for a 9 or 10-year-old kid. It's like, it's a different... It's a different thing. Maybe you guys can't hear them cleaning the mats downstairs. But uh, all that stuff is is what's part of the problem too, though. Like the overconnectivity. The yeah, the the influences and things. I agree. Like you, like you may. If I grew up inside your household and I didn't have internet. The people around me in that environment, in that village, are my influences. But if I have internet and I have access to everyone, my influences are coming from everywhere. Social media influencers who are fake people who are trying to 
sell you something or whatever the case is. And now this person has changed my belief system because I'm spending more time with them and their beliefs than I am the people in my real village. Real talk. I think a lot of the problems we're having is because of how kids are growing up, I think. And even, you know, I, like I said, I grew up a lot, a lot like by myself too. But again, I didn't have access to all this the influencers t- TV and, and like social media and stuff like that. So I really like you're kind of saying like I kind of I just shape my own opinion, I guess, about a lot of stuff. And that wasn't always good either. You know, yeah, uh, but it it wasn't something abstract or foreign to me. You know, I was just basing it off of my observations village. and what I saw around me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just I just think that that it's easy now because everybody's we're so caught up in in trying to pay our bills uh, and trying to maybe leave something for our kids so that they don't have to do as much as we had to do to be able to do what they want to do uh, in a lot of ways. But we're forgetting we're forgetting a lot of the life that they need to live already with us. Yeah. You know, and I'm guilty of it too, you know. Dude, uh, so somebody, uh, I want to say, I'm going to murder this quote, but it's like, uh, hard men make for soft times. Soft times make for soft men. Soft men make for hard times. And that is the, the cycle. The life. cycle. And, and what, that, what it basically what it means is you want better for your kid. I want better for my kid. So we don't let our kids do stupid shit that we used to do. Like my kid will never do a backflip, a double backflip off of a two-story house. Not that you know of. Yeah, not, not around me. Right. You know, I mean, that ain't happening. Not while with I'm, permission. Yeah, yeah, not with permission. I'm not going to be out there recording it with my cell phone. Right. So I think that that's where we are as society now is that everybody wants better for their kids. So the kids are growing up in padded rooms and then they're being influenced by doers people that are actually out living their lives and these other kids aren't. So it's almost like they're living their lives through these people on Instagram. Or, and, it, and it's fake. Like, my, my social media is not fake compared to who I am as a person, but it's only one part of me. Like, what you see on social media is not what you're going to see on this podcast. What you see on this podcast may or may not be what you see on fight night in your living room this is way more real this is way more who i am than my social media because my social media is like memes uh it's like when i'm feeling good i'll post something or when i want to draw some attention to something we're doing at the gym something of that effect Whereas, like, these podcasts, you get to hear my who I am, like, my real opinion and, like, who I am as a man, as a person, or however you want to say that. Um, and I think that's, that's a lost thing that we have with the youth. And uh, this is going to make me sound like, when I was a boy, you know? But we got kids here that are teenagers. 
And they're just yapping at each other. Just bop, 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 bop. They just pop off at out of their mouth at each disrespectful as crap towards one another, you know? Like mean and saying mean things. And when I was a kid, you had your mama jokes, but anything past that, you like you was basically wanting to fight. You get, you get slapped in the face for talking to people that way. Kids don't do that now. Kids, they they get mad, they'll pout, and then they say mean things behind other people's back. I see it inside the school. And uh, you probably have one out of every 60 that would punch somebody, like, for being disrespectful. I'm not saying punching somebody is the right way to handle it, but because I, I don't think that either. But at some point, you have to say, hey, don't talk to me that way and stand your ground. At some point, you have to go, all right, I've had enough. And if you don't do that, then it escalates to something to where, and then you're like, to a point to what we have now where people are just being disrespectful. Like it starts out online where you can't, where they're not going to fight. And then when they see each other in face, it just continues this little argument. Like, are you better be ready to throw hands if you talk to me the way that some of these kids talk to each other? And uh, it sounds horrible for me to say that or whatever, but dude, I'm not going to let somebody stand and scream and yell in my face. No, there's certain things that's fighting words. Right. Like, there's real... It's like time to pull the trigger. Like, not not a gun, but like trying yeah. to go. It's time you, to... Yeah, you say certain yeah. things you are you want to fight. Yeah. There's the only reason you would say that. Exactly. And that's the only reason. And if you don't want to fight and you're saying that... Just shut up. You, you didn't realize... Yeah, you crossed the major Yeah, line. you didn't realize. But they don't have a line. There's no line for these, these kids these days. And that's like I say that sound like what the boy, but there's not. I've witnessed it. I've witnessed it on both sides. I've witnessed it out in the in public. I've witnessed it inside my school, and it's crazy. Like the things that they're saying and doing to each other, and they're so they're they're okay. They're not okay with it, but they're not ready to just go. Hey, that's enough. And I, I'm I'm far from that guy. Like I, the people that see me now, I'm the Jimmy that tries to be nice. I'm the Jimmy that I, I I truly am a good person. I'm not saying I'm not a good person, but who compared to who I was and who I am now, I've done a 180 as a as a person. Person that 18 year old Jimmy didn't care about your life because he didn't care about his life. The way that I was raised, and I didn't care about my own life. Why would I care about someone else's? I lacked empathy. The older I get, the more empathetic. The more you learn, the more I learn, the better, the better I am. But dude, kids, man, they they, it's like they're disconnected from. Uh, it's like they're disconnected from, uh, not reality, but it. It's like there is no line. There is no. Um. Uh, like they, there's no line they're not willing to just step across because they don't fear any repercussions I hear you yeah and so I don't know what the answer to that is in the grand scheme of things except for better home training for your kids uh, which is not I mean which is a kind of cop out answer because we can't I can't follow everybody home and and 
Thomas has a bad attitude sometimes. I think it does start at home, though. Oh, it definitely does. It starts at your front door. But you can't, but you can't, like, sometimes it's too late. You know, we've talked about that sometimes, too. Like, when you want to argue the extreme circumstances of something, like with kids, once they get to a certain point, yeah, you let them go too far, probably, at a certain age, and they've not been corrected. If they've never been shown that what they're doing is not right, uh, then, yeah, that that's going to be a problem. And maybe one that's going to end up in, like the legal system or hurt or dead another way because they didn't know the boundaries they were crossing with some people who don't care about your life. Cause there's a lot of people that don't care about your life out there. No. And we live in this bubble, just kind of like you're saying our kids, a lot of our kids live in these bubbles where we've moved to these safe areas where we keep them safe. The schools are safe. Uh, they're not out in the streets or whatever, having to live some of these kind of lives that other kids have to live. And some of those other kids just don't care. Because they've never had anybody care about them either. So you get out there and you, you pop your little smart mouth off to the wrong person, you're going to get more than hurt. Yeah. And it's going to be fast. Uh, so yeah. And that's basically what I was saying. No, for sure. That's what I mean. Is like I, I'm not advocating for going out there and starting to punch everybody in the mouth right when they start talking <laughs> either. But you as a parent need to teach your kid that their mouth will get them in a lot of trouble with other people that's not you uh and in trouble that doesn't just mean i'm gonna take your nintendo switch away or your phone away for a couple weeks but trouble that's like it may end you forever yeah like change your life forever in bare minimum like people people would yeah they don't care about you and your feelings and your family and their feelings or any of that kind of stuff because nobody's ever cared about their family or their feelings or they don't have a family yeah you know uh so you get you just got to be aware of all that stuff. So that, that's that's the thing, dude. With, with training and different things for me is like it's really taking the power out of the violence in a lot of ways, except for when it's necessary. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I don't want to be violent at all unless it's absolutely necessary. But when I need to be, I think I'm gonna. I think I'll be ready to go as far as I have to right away. I don't think anybody would be prepared for that level of violence that we we could take it to, as a as a as MMA, jujitsu. Well, just average people definitely wouldn't. No. Like, if I wanted to get really physical with people, a like we, we joke with you a little bit, but like I'm a big dude too. Uh, so unless you're all also a really big strong guy, one that's going to be overwhelming, and then also I know what I'm doing now. Uh, so if you aren't a really big and two don't know a lot about what you're doing you're gonna have a bad time yeah like period flat out that um, and that's what i that's what i shout out to you. i'm a small guy but i'm skilled in right and so you balance the lever a lot with your you balance the scale a lot with your skill set uh for sure that people better you know they know they have they have to know and in that argument about oh well this is the streets is different is not a valid argument to me because I, can, I know the rules and I know how to break the rules and I've trained to not break those rules. But as soon as I have to do anything like that, like gouging your eyes out or like pulling your hair or whatever, I don't, I don't know, breaking one of your fingers. If you grab me in some kind of weird way, like there's a lot of different weird things that I'll do uh, that you, moment, when I'm really scared, you're of capable life, of doing when I'm really scared. Yeah, uh, that I will do when I'm really scared. That I think I haven't been really scared enough to have to do any of this kind of stuff. Right, you know what I mean? Uh, because I've been 
avoiding a lot of it and, and letting people puff out their chest and stuff to a certain extent. Uh, but yeah, but when it comes down to it, there's a level of physicality that I can get to very easily that I do every day. Like I can be just chilling. Like I'll be laughing and talking with you and then we'll go out there and roll to the point to where we're both trying to prove to each other that I can kill you. Yeah. And like, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go far enough to hurt you. I'm not going to really break your arm. I'm not going to try to really purposely go, but I'm going to pin you or whatever it is. I'm going to put my hooks in. I'm going to get my hand under your neck or I'm going to get a hold of your arm and I'm going to straighten it out and you're going to tap. And then you go, now you can tap. You can't tap, but now you can tap. And I let you. <laughs> like, it's like that old Hicks and Grace's quote, you I'm know, it's like, if we're fighting for money, I'll stop when the referee tells me to stop. But if we're fighting for honor, I'm going to stop when I want to. And it's like, oh, that's kind of scary, you know, because I may not want to stop yet when the referee tells me to or when you're ready for me to. And then what are you going to do, sir, if you can't make me stop? It's terrifying to me. That's that's, yeah. that's terrifying to me. That's why I wanted to get good at fighting in, in jiu-jitsu is because, like, once I, I – because I came up thinking I was a tough dude and I could fight – I beat up a lot of people in like bar fights or whatever kind of stuff where they get broken up really fast and nobody really knows how to fight. But the uh, people started like controlling me and there was nothing I could do but get beat up if they wanted me to. It was uh, incredibly humbling and scary. And it really drove me to want to be able to do that myself to other people. <laughs> uh, just to be honest yeah like, me you know, too I, I don't do it but I, I like to be able to do it right if I need to I want to have that in my pocket when I need to uh, just in case and it's nice dude I agree and like that's that's what happened to me is like I grew up as a fighter everyone that knew me thought I was a fighter um, because I trained I trained Taekwondo and boxing kickboxing all that crap and then uh all that stand-up crap's useless guys yeah all that stand-up crap oh. but <laughs> and then i got into wrestling and brazilian jiu-jitsu and it changed my world it changed how i look at things but uh my my favorite thing to tell people is like uh they're like oh i'll grab them by their nuts or i'll gouge out their eyes or whatever like you want to like you, let, let me explain something to you. You're, yeah, you could probably do those things, but don't you think that the person that trains to control a person or trains to do this on a daily basis could be better at those things than you? Like, I'm probably more capable of doing what you want, saying that you're doing, that you're going to do to me than you ever th thought imaginable. I can kick you in the balls on purpose very accurately and very hard. Right. Like I can set up a kick to the balls instead of just trying to kick you in the leg. Right. Like blast. it doesn't like it doesn't blast. change it doesn't change <laughs> anything. Like if you if we don't oh you train you train with rules, it's different in the street. And I'm like, dude, the the rules are there to protect fighters. The rules dictate the fight. If there's yeah. no rules I'm going to be even more scared, so I'm going to go crazier. I'm going to be more dangerous yeah. if there's no rules. Right, right Head butts. Dude. I'll slam you back. At, what did you say? You slammed old butt. <laughs> he, like, bounced up or whatever. I thought he was heavy, man. <laughs> I thought he was big. He said, boom. He's back. 
<laughs> it was crazy. That was funny, man. Uh, but yeah, so like, that's the thing, man. <laughs> now that I've done enough fighting and training. Now we don't have to. I know the consequences, man. And we don't have to. I don't want to. Yeah, we don't have to. I don't want to either, though. Yeah. And so when you make me get to the point to where I feel like I need to or I have to, and you're going to make me, that's dangerous, I feel like. It's scary, it's scary yeah. for me to think about that. I don't know what you know, like other people in the world. Yeah. I've trained enough in enough rooms to know how deep the water is. Yeah. And I'd hate to not look tough and be very tough. Yeah, I don't want to. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't want to run across. I don't want to run across a Bubba Mitchell or something, you know, or yeah. Cole Miller and Walmart. By some nerds, yeah, or, you yeah. know, some weird dopey looking fools that can fight. Yeah, it's just not what you think anymore. It's no. not just big, strong muscle dudes. They're a lot of times they're the easiest ones to beat up. A lot of times, because uh, they just blow themselves out. They too don't have any cardio. Just got to not get hit first. Unless they're Walmart greeter. You take, you take them Walmart greeters out. Yeah, those are dangerous guys. Those are dangerous, dangerous guys. <laughs> but, um, hey. so, I want to ask you uh, some questions, I guess, too. Oh, Lord. Since you've been training, you've done, like you said, you've done Taekwondo, you've done Jiu-Jitsu, you've done whatever you know, different art, you've been to all these different places. If you had one, like, principle of martial arts that you could apply, like, universally, like, something, one idea that you could think goes across all those different things that you could say is true no matter what. Can you think of something that's like that? Do you understand what I mean? Yes. So, um, I actually, I, I have... It depends on the perception of how you look at it. But the I have uh, principal rules about martial arts. All of them will have one thing in common, and that's your base. Your base is, uh, as, as what I mean by your base is like your stance, how you're positioning your weight, whether you're, even in jiu-jitsu. Yeah, your base. Understanding where your weight is versus where your head is. If you get your head outside of your square. Or your base, you're off balance, and um, it's true for striking. You always want to keep your head over your hips. It's true for jujitsu. You always want to keep your head inside your post. So if I'm on the ground, my base just got bigger because it, it depending on where my posts are. It makes a. It always makes like a rectangle shape. I call it your square, or your box. You want to keep your head inside your box or your whatever. But that is the general rule is they all have the same thing in common. Takedowns, striking, whatever, knowing where your balance is or where your, your base is, having a good base. Um, where the head goes, the body follows. Uh, you control the head, you control the body. Where the body goes, you control the hips, you control the body. And that, that's pretty true too, um, which is a simple little rule I use to make people – realize like hey let me stop handing this person my head because you know, people hand their head to people people want to punch harder guess what they do they lean their head and their body into it watch a new person punching on a bag keep your head over your hips you know but um across the board i would say uh 
all of them have all arts. I have never been in in an art that didn't humble me in some type of way or form. Uh, and I think they all teach respect in their own way. Um, I actually think wrestling breeds respect for other wrestlers more than it does respect outside of the sport of wrestling. But I can see that. You you know what I'm saying? Because a lot of people don't understand how hard it is to be a wrestler or how hard it is to do what they're doing. But um, across all the different martial arts, I, I would say the, the main thing um, is be coachable. If you're as far as been learning, you if you approach them. And it, I actually said this at your school the other day, and I don't know if you agree with me or not. I actually want to know whether you agree with me or not. Um. I said I could teach somebody a bullshit move, but if they believe in it enough, they can make it work for their body. They can make it work. To an extent. I believe, and I, I truly believe this, because I've seen it on, I've seen it all the way up to the UFC. I see people doing stupid ass shit. Like, I know it's stupid. All the way up to the UFC level. Like, I know it's stupid. But the, these people have trained it enough and done it enough that it works. And so... I believe if you approach something with a mindset, and there's there's two mindsets. I, I I never seen a third, and maybe there is, but I haven't actually paid attention enough to see the third. When I teach someone jujitsu, you got two types of people. One person is going to try to figure out how to make the work move work. That's a good person. That person, if they're trying to figure out how to make the move work, they got the right mindset. They'll go far in jujitsu. You got the other person that's trying to figure out how to stop the move. They're trying to figure out, like, well, I could just move my head here and it stops the move. I could just move my hand here and it stops the move. And uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing once you get to a certain level. But it hinders your learning. Because if I teach you a triangle and your thought is, well, all I got to do is this and now it don't work. Or they're not going to get me in a triangle. Then you're not actually figuring out how to do the fucking triangle. You know what I'm saying? And you have that person, it takes them twice as long to learn jiu-jitsu because um, they're trying to break the moves down before they figure out how they work. And it's a lot easier to stop something that, it's a lot easier to stop something from happening to you if you know it's happening to you. But the moment I do something to you in striking, I do a, I, I call it a slap jab. It's like I touch the side of your glove. Well, you're not out here that's in the liver, right? I touch your hand. Look, you're not strong. You're not going to be able to do that. So when a fist is flying at you and you bump it with a nice little slip, it flies way over there. It looks like they just threw their hand way over there. I'll slap your hand before you bring it out and then punch you in the face over your glove. And I do it a lot. I'll touch your hand and I'll punch you in the stomach. And I, it's just a little slap of the hands. As I step to the outside foot, and that base, that footwork is what makes this work. But if you tell somebody, like, this is what I'm going to do to you, and all right, I'm going now, it's not going to work. They can defend it. But if I'm standing there and I got all these tools in my toolbox that I can pull out and throw at you, and you don't know which tool I'm getting to hit you with, now it's hard. So... My my thing about all martial arts, I would say learn the move to make it work for you. Don't try to 
stop the move from working. Don't try to figure out ways to make it not work. Like that mindset is is not going to help you. Like legitimately look at this move with a mindset of how can I make this work for me? Because there's been moves that I was taught 10 years ago that I said, I'll never do that shit. I, I remember a modified mount. I remember when I learned modified mount, like uh, where you're off S to the, mount. yes, S mount. I said, I'm too little. I'll never do that shit. I, I'm too little. Guys would just stand up with me. Like I said that. I remember saying that. And now looking back, like I was a dumbass. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. Like, but I remember, this is, and we're talking, I've been training for 10 years and I, and I said that. Like, I'll never use that. Well, I'll never use this map, this modified mount. I'll never use it because I'm too little. Somebody's just going to pick me up and slam my back out. And now is probably one of my most dominant positions. So, but I had the wrong mindset. I was learning things and saying, I was making excuses. Oh, this won't work for my body top. I'll never use this. I don't need, I, I can stop this. All they got to do is just post here and now, now you can't get there. Right, and I was looking for ways to turn out. So I'm been victim of this too. I've I've trained this way too. I'm speaking from experience. But then once you open your mind and you start going, how do I make this work for me? When I see you do something, and you're 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 heavier than me, fifty or sixty pounds heavier than me, right? And uh, at least, yeah, I didn't know you were trying to say that I was. I thought you were talking about hypothetically. No, no, I'm saying you are. Oh, I'm at yeah. least, yeah, hundred uh, pounds. No, I was last time I said you was when we got together. You was like three hundred. So this oh. time I went. went oh, Give me a little bit more credit. Yeah, my, okay. my man, got you. I'm big. No, nah, but yeah. So you're you're heavier than me, and then I see you do something, and you're stronger than me. You're heavier than me, and instead of going, well, he's big and strong. I go, how did he maneuver his body to make that work? Mm -hmm. And so. Across all of all the martial arts, I would I would say that would be my answer. It's a long ass answer, but the short, simple version is uh, what the yeah <laughs> across <laughs> across all those uh, across all martial arts. My simple answer would be learn the move, like take the move and see how it works for you. Like learn the move and make it and try to make it work for you. Yep. Don't uh. Don't try to tear it down. Don't try to stop it. Don't be resisting it. Don't be like learn how to move, like learn the mechanics of the move and make it work. Like learn how to make it work for you. And once I started trying to do that, man, my, my jujitsu and my wrestling, it went way up. And I actually learned that lesson when I was trying to wrestle. Um, I, I had that mindset for a long time in jujitsu and it worked for me because I was. I knew the basics and I had a pretty good understanding of how moves worked already. So I could I could have that mindset and still do fairly well in jiu-jitsu. In wrestling, weight, size, like head-for-head -head wrestling, that shit matters. And I would make excuses as uh, I'm too small. I would make excuses like, uh, oh, well, that's not going to work for me, I'm too little. Or... I would say, oh, they, they're going to see that. That's not going to work. I, if they try to do that to me, I'm just going to post on the head and move out. And I never got any better at wrestling. 
And then one day I was in there, I was drilling with one of my friends. Uh, and, you know, I, I said, I want to make this move work. I want this move to work for me. So for like two days, I just hammered out, hammered out, hammered out, uh, low single, low single, low single, how to sweep to sweep to the outside and drive in and run them down. And I got to the point where I can hit that on almost anybody. I can run them, I can run them over now. And now I got to where I can blast double almost anybody, like size and stuff. With the setups, yeah. Yeah. Like I got to the point where I'm actually really good at wrestling. And uh, I realized that this whole time, what was holding me back was my mindset. So, get your mindset right. Get your mind right. What's yours? Um, knocking the damn mic around. Honestly, I think if I had to say anything, it would be, I think defense is king. I think no one, and not saying to contrary what you said specifically, but I think if you do know how opposite, like agreeing with what you said, if you do know how the move works really well, then you can defend then it. Then you can defend it really well. Right. And if you can defend everything, then they can't stop you. They can't beat you. You can lose on points or you can run out of time or whatever. But if you got good defense, they can't submit you can't knock you out they can't pin you and so eventually if you keep working that way the offense will start coming to you off of their mistakes so would you say that they need to learn to defense with a purpose like uh i think when you drill and when you're learning i think you should focus as much on getting out of stuff as much as you focus as getting into it. Yin and yang. Right. I think that there has to be a good balance there. And I'm not saying don't think about it, how you can deconstruct the move and stop it from working uh, when you're drilling in class and stuff. I'm, I'm saying exactly what you said. Figure out how the move works. Work it. And then while you guys are talking about it, while you're drilling, think about it. Think about, okay, how would they be able to defeat me in this moment? Like, sure, my offense so strong. Then I learn all the defensive cues. They have to do this. Well, if they do that, then this is the next reaction that kind of opens up. So I think that comes with actually learning how the move works for you. Like, I think that – so, like, uh, let's use a simple one. Um, which, what was it on, a triangle? Like, everybody's talking about the angle, the angle, the angle. Like, the way you throw the leg over the shoulder and lock it in. Well, Chase Rowden, like, pulled his groin muscle twice trying to f- finish a triangle because he didn't know how to properly squeeze. And, um, like, uh, everybody thinks it's the angle, but I can finish a triangle directly in front of somebody without pulling on their head. I don't have to try angle. I don't have to take the angle, you know? Uh, all I got to do is get my locking leg over your shoulder and keep your arm in front of my, your elbow in front of my leg. If I do that, you're done. I don't have to turn the corner. So, but I know that because 
I figured out how the triangle works, how it's cutting off the blood. I figured out that a lot of bigger guys can just control my hips, and I'm not going to be able to take that angle. So I figured out if I scoot away just a little bit and lock over the their top of the shoulder, I can I can finish. Does that make sense? So, but when now that I know that, I also know what's finishing me when I get to that position. So I'm like, ha, let's get my shoulder up. First and foremost, let's get that shoulder up. Not next to my neck, but get my shoulder up so they can't they can't get that leg properly seated where they need to apply pressure to, to choke me, right? So let's get that shoulder up. Start working my head position, posturing, and, and and escape. You know, like whether I use one of the four or five escapes that I know for triangle, we we'll, we could get into that, like posting and bridging and all that other kind of crap. But because I know what they need to do from this angle, or this angle, or this angle, I also or what I need to do, I also know what they need to do to be able to stop it, and I don't have to. I had to figure out how the move works before I could ever figure out how it don't work. Because obviously you could, you're a big guy. If I put you in a triangle, you could just go, that shit don't work. And while I'm trying to demonstrate it or whatever, while we're practicing partners together, you could just be like a dick and be like, well, you ain't trained with me. Well, I'll armbar you now. Like, cause right, there's always something. But that's, that's what I'm saying is if, if we're practicing, you and I, and that was what I was trying to say earlier. I wasn't very clear. I don't know. But, like, if you and I are practicing arm bars, right, just arm bars, and you decide you're not going to let me arm bar you, odds are is I'm not, while I'm trying to drill an arm bar, probably 10 out of 10 times, I'm not fucking arm barring you. Right. Like, I'm not, I will not arm bar you. There is no way on planet Earth, if I'm looking you in your eye and I'm like, Steven, like, I want to I wanna drill this arm bar, don't let me get the armbar, right? There's no way on planet Earth I'm going to finish that armbar unless I go all the way around a bunch of other moves to hide the fact that I'm actually going back to this armbar. It's not going to work. So if you're starting out or if you're learning jujitsu and you're, you're that guy that's like, oh, they're not going to armbar me, and you're trying to figure out how to stop the armbar, then you're not there. They're, neither one of you right. guys you're are going to... a good partner. Neither one of you guys are going to learn... Sure. Learn the damn armbar because you're trying to de deconstruct the armbar. Right. And what the problem is is that, I, for one, I don't even know how to do the damn thing yet. For two, like, I can't do it because this, like, why isn't it working? Because they're not letting, you. They're not letting me. And then they're like, well, if you knew how to do it good, then I wouldn't have to let you. Well, yeah, you would because we're drilling and we're. But the moves are in the setup. It's not in the actual move. Right, but if I don't even know how to set how to finish the move, then I can't set it up to. I, like I can know the setup and get there all day. Like I put twenty people in the twister uh, last Monday, right? Like twenty twenty of my students put them in the twister. Finishing it, getting that arm over to grab that that was hard, and I only got the finish. Of the twister like five times, which is still pretty good. That's five burritos, sucker. But you see what I'm saying? Like, no, I do. But I still think I still think that what you're saying. I start, I'm not disagreeing. Oh, I know. So, but I think that what I'm saying is that defense trumps that. 
in training, yes, you need to be a good partner. You got to let them drill the move. You got to let them work the move. That way, you can feel what it's like both ways, offensively and defensively. Right. But if you want to build on a principle, the one principle I, I really truly is if you can learn the defense, the actual defense, not just stopping the move. Right. Yes, defense. Learn. Learn. That's what I was saying. Defense, like balance, posture, where to put this, and like if you if you're right in front of me for a triangle, you may finish it. Uh, you may get off to the side and finish it, but neither one of those things guarantee it. Honestly, there's a lot of different. Like you said, there's a bunch uh. of different escapes that you can make, but the idea is that you have to know. Like you said, either they have to cut it off one way or the other with my arm in their leg or by pulling down on my head or whatever it is. So if I don't let them cut off the air or the blood flow in my neck, it's not going to work. Right. No matter what, no matter what setup they have, no matter how good their angle is, whatever the case is, the angle can't be that good, obviously, if I'm getting right. space in there. And so that's what you have to know is that what's real and what's not. What's what's uncomfortable and what's submitting you, what's gonna make you really choke out, and what's just putting a lot of pressure on your head, uh, and then once you learn those things, like learning how to slip, because if if you punch at me, and I always take a step back, I'm never gonna really be in the range to hit you back, so we're, I'm just gonna play a fully defensive game, and this you're not gonna hit me. Right, but I'm not going to easily be able to win either because I'm going to be always out of position, always out of position. But if I let you throw a good hard jab at me and I just move my head a few inches to the side, now you're right here at me with easier counters for me to get or we can wrestle if we're doing MMA. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, the harder that I let you go for your attack without opening up, the easier it's going to be for my counterattack to have a big effect on you. You and I are truly yin and yang. Like, um, we're saying the same thing. Just opposite perspective. Yeah. From the other perspective. Yeah, we're saying the same it's, thing. It's just different thoughts. So your my thought is if I learn how, if I get someone to learn how to properly do the technique, then they can easily break the technique down and stop it. Like if you if I teach you and you actually learn how to do the technique for your body and you figure out what you need to do, then you can stop it. But think of it that way though. Don't think of it. That's what I'm saying is that think of this move not as this is how I'm going to get everybody, but think of it as is if anybody ever tries this on me. This is I'm, what I need to stop. I'm going to have a counter yeah. right away. So it's not even about me being able to do this particular move because that's not what I'm going to stop you with. I'm going to stop you with something that happens after that. You're going to triangle me. I'm going to get enough space that you're going to probably feel like you have enough of it to squeeze and deplete that percentage. I'm going to probably pass out to your side yeah. and then start bringing down the pressure. And then when you give one of those frames in desperation, I'm probably easily would be like an Americana that like situation where you straight on bar kind of come a trap kind of deal. Or if I'm feeling frisky, I'll start trying to get into some of the more like 
exotic moves because you're giving me big, like big space to do all kind of weird stuff that you don't know what it is. You said basically you're gonna slide out to the side. I'm gonna wrestle in. I'm gonna take you down, choke you out. It's possible. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's possible. And the thing no, is I'm that it's joking, like, man. but that's that's I'm it. Like, obviously, I'm playing. I know, I know that too. But like, see, but being serious about it though, it's like Richie uh, Boogie, uh, yeah. Boogie Man. Uh, he was my coach in San Diego. Obviously, everybody probably knows that. That's listening. Um, but he's really good at jujitsu overall. Obviously, but his best attacks are getting you either into his rubber guard. Typically, uh, the half guard, the New Jersey style, is probably where he's. To me, the is most that with the hook or without with the with, foot on the hip? That's the half guard, yeah. So, so the, uh, full guard, New York, is with the foot on the hip or over the back. The other okay. one's kind of like in the half guard. Position. Gotcha. Uh, and or the Dars, and so. He tapped me out so many times with that stuff in the beginning uh, for months and months and months. Uh, and literally started, I just had to start figuring out the moves to reverse engineer what he was doing. Like, I knew a Dars, and I knew basic understanding of rubber guard, but I didn't know the, the, the path that he was using to get there. Because it was it was an unorthodox path, so knowing like the Dars was enough to kind of save me a little bit, but it was still getting me killed because he was leaving me, he was leaving me openings to go towards those traps that made me feel safe. They were normal reactions that he would let me have to hang yourself. It wasn't defense though. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like they're gonna feed you offense to to put you into a trap, and then it's too late at that point once you're in that trap. Like once he puts you in there, it, you don't get out safely. Nobody hardly gets out free. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like you got to be big and strong, and like your arm may pop once or twice to get out of there, but you could probably squirm out sometimes and like pass, and then in his darts or whatever, you may make him transition to something else or whatever kind of stuff like that. But it literally got to that point to where I, I had to work on that stuff so much, all these different unorthodox setups. So like, I, you don't, you're not gonna darse me, unless I am completely exhausted, and don't have any energy left, like because I know the reactions now, I know every feeling that it takes to get it closed off, completely closed off, tight, to where I have to tap. Because I fought it to the bitter end, and I've beat it a couple of times early. You know what I mean? And there's just ways. There's just ways once something is even fully locked in that you can still create space. You can create momentum. If you're not too tired, if, you're, if your cardio is still there, you can still survive. Do you think, um, or not do you think, but have you ever, like, um, knee dolly out of a Doris. Do you know what a de- knee dolly sweep Probably, is? Probably, but I don't know what you mean. Uh, so I was taught early on if somebody starts getting you in a Doris to not roll them all the way over, but to kind of go flat. Go flat and, it, back. and this is the, this is, I was taught that early on. It's like go flat. And like this is one of the only times in jiu-jitsu you go f- just flat. And um, so what I like doing is 
they bring their arm under your head and they, they're pulling it in. They wave their hand through. They're locking up, slapping the back, right, to get the finish. What I like doing is I take this elbow and I'll bite down because their arm's under here. I'll bite down. I'll bring my they, – they usually want you to get like half guard or something like that because that helps lock you in the position. Well, if they're trying to do that, that's fine. But I'll usually take my top knee and slide my hips forward and I take this elbow and I just touch it to the mat. And when I so you're going flat, right? But I'm lifting them with my leg once I because that loads their hips once you shift their shoulders down. And I lift them over me with my inside leg. And at every time it leaves you there to underhook their leg with your outside leg for a like a a weird key lock, across the body key lock or something. Every time. And I've been playing with that. I actually taught it in class. Uh, you ever done anything like that? Not that I can think of exactly. I usually just try to get to either a good posture in there on my side or almost a turtle. Uh, same thing. You got to keep your elbows back and down, right? Because that's, that's how they're like, they going to do it. Kill you, yeah. Uh, so just stay there and make them work. On trying, I'm big. Let them burn their arms yeah, out. And I'm big, so it helps, right? Learning that posture, though, I think for everybody is also important. Like putting yourself in the right. There's perfect posture in every position. It's something that uh, Brandon McCatherine said. And that's I a said, good rule. I still don't fully understand it yet because I haven't I haven't really done it enough yet. But I've been playing with that over the last year year and a half or so. Uh, and when you hit perfect posture, it's going to be hard for them to submit with anything. Yeah. If your posture's good, because your elbows are down and back, shoulders are down and back. You know what I mean? They try to pull my head down to get chokes. It's not really easily going to happen. You know what I mean? But as soon as I like roll myself forward, I'm starting to open up positions that they can get yeah. handles on and grab attacks on. So it's really funny. We stay in that little ball sometimes coming forward, but that's actually what's giving people a lot of the leverage uh, they need for real attacks. So from here, there's leverage. From here, you got to make a mistake to get over my head. You got to commit too much coming over the. You know what I mean? So like, I'm trying to play with that idea uh, everywhere, even when people are on my back. So now, um, let me ask you that. I, I know you said you're just playing that everywhere in guard. Um, I was taught it's better to have your back curled and your head up. And here's why. When your invertebrae are locked in a perfect line like that, it's very easy to break your posture down. You, no matter how much you shift your weight into your knees, they shift you down. But if you curl your back like this and you shift your hips forward, like push your hips forward, dude, as big as you are, I don't think you would break me down. Like, you would have to, like, push, pull, push, pull, push, pull a lot. So, it's about the pelvic tilt, essentially. Yeah. So, so well, that's what I was saying. It was like, he said perfect posture for every position. It don't necessarily mean having your back straight and your head up. It means the position calls for a certain posture, right? Or am I misinterpreting I that? I don't know. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't want to misinterpret it. I just want to know. Maybe like I'm trying what, to learn some jiu-jitsu. Maybe that's what I'm missing from it, and I got to go talk to him some more about it. Um, do you, 
I tried to talk to him about it a little bit more last time. Well, if I'm in a Doris in a perfect posture, maybe, you know, like here and here. Oof. Turn that off, my bad guys. I actually have the sound off. It played through the headset. Yeah, it, <laughs> I guess it's connected Bluetooth. That's funny, but yeah. So like the perfect posture in the Dars is is the perfect posture, right? You either lay it on your back and they can't collapse your head and your neck down, or either like that picture day kind of escape where you put your hands on your chin, kind of sitting there like on your elbows almost. Okay. Uh, and they're trying to break your head and arms down, but. You can't do it. Unless they're really strong or you, you're not as strong or you're tired, it's going to be really hard. Now, they can transition to other things, right? And that's what I'm saying. Like That's when I unhook the arm and stuff. You're not immediately man. out of something just because you do You're not out of everything because you defended something. So you have to know, like, the chains. You have to know where the, they're going, the how when they're I going. do this, they typically move this way because that's where they feel the safest. And so then that's where I got that idea, like, I'm going to let you get what you want, kind of, and then develop the game from there. Like, develop where you're going towards your A game is just going to make you fall into my A game. Shrimping uh, does that. A lot of times. When right. I pass and somebody's shrimping, they always hand me their arm and their head for Doris. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. That's when you set it up. Yep. Like, shrimping does that. Also, shrimping allows me to pull in on the head. And, and sit people up to take their back. It allows me to north-south choke. Like, because people practice shrimping, pulling their head down, and whereas, I guess, perfect posture. Back. Yeah. Elbows are down. Yeah. And my head's down if it's going all the way down with my body folding. It's not me curling into this ball. Yep. Tucking my chin down. Because if you hand me your it's head. It's me folding myself in half. And then that way, if you grab over my head, I'm going to unfold and bring your whole body with me across the, until you let go. And then that's when the transition, like that's when the flows kind of start. Yeah. You, you have to, you commit your weight to me and I'm going to move your whole body if I can. Bro, I just learned some jujitsu on a damn podcast. Like I understood every bit of that. I don't know if they did, but I did. But, that's awesome. And so like a, a great example of that is the dark situation, but like half guard is my game. I love half guard. And so that was one of the problems with Richie is like he knew that. And so he would feed me to half guard. He's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Go for it. Oh, man. Oh, no. You've got me into your half guard. Oh, there's your deep underhook. It's time to start sitting up. Whack. <laughs> Every time. And it's like I would, get, I would get deep in on singles. I would get all the way up. I would start working my lockdown and stuff like that once I started learning lockdown against it. But I was still making that same mistake of I, I, the old MMA rule. Like when you're in half guard, you want to get your ear to their belly button. That way they can't really hit you. Yeah. But if a guy's not really trying to worry about hitting you, they want to darsh you. All he's doing is just going to keep stuffing your head down under his belly button to get that thing in deeper. So my right reaction that I had learned for so many years was wrong because it wasn't good posture and it was giving my guy what he needed. So what I needed to do was instead of like, Folding myself under him, like in a curling into a ball, I need to literally fold myself in half to get under there. And if I can't do that, then I need to be more on my side with that same big posture. That way, he doesn't have me curled up and he's holding me with that like head and arm kind of bent back posture. Yeah. I'm on my side with a big strong posture, and he's got to reach up 
and try to grab over my head or whatever, like some weird way that doesn't feel comfortable. Yeah, and it's getting reaching. And he's going to back up. Yeah. And he's going to go for something else that's going to try to fall so right cool. back into it. That's so cool. Because like, I still do that. I still bury my head to the belly button to wrestle. But I don't touch my ear because uh, I did a seminar with uh, uh, Steve Maka, I guess. And he told me, he said, if your ear touches my body, I can choke you. I always use your forehead. You know, that was his rule. He said, if your ear touches my body anywhere, I can choke you. Hmm. He said, always use your forehead. That is a beast, too. Yeah. That was, that, was, that was the one thing I learned from his seminar that I, I took, took. And I started, like, really paying attention. Dude, what's funny, it's already cut you off, but, like, about seminars like that is like I've been in seminars where somebody would drop a little gem like that and it sucks because that's all you really remember from the seminar. Yeah. Uh, but it was because that was all you were thinking about the rest of the time. Like everything else he showed, that was the only cue that you really cared about was like, oh, this one thing literally, oh, that's going to make everything so much better. Um, so that's funny you said that. It's just a, yeah, he, uh, he, he taught us some like foot sweeps and some trips. Um, Cause that's what he's known for, but he, I remember that, and I, I come back, and I started paying attention, and the little guillotine that I do, dude, if somebody touches me with their ear, I'm choking them, and like it don't matter how fast, how hard, whatever, if it stays there for a few seconds, I finish, and uh, I was like, okay, like he taught me that, and he taught me some foot sweeps and stuff too. But like the the judo style foot sweeps, and I got to where I could make people step and bump their foot, but I'm not efficient with it yet. I'm still trying to learn that. But anyway, we got off on jujitsu and it's okay. That's what we're yeah. here for. What time is it, dude? It is eleven fifty-eight. All right, yeah. I think we should probably wrap, wrap it up. Yeah, dude, we've been talking forever. Anyway, guys, that was Tech Talk with Stephen Aiken. A lot of people mispronounce this man's name as Aiken. I did it for years. He never corrected me. He just let me call him Stephen Aiken for 100 years. He's one of my best friends on the entire world. And he if you let ever watch my interviews, I say Stephen Aiken. If you ever heard me say myself. And I the Stephen. interviewers still call you Stephen Aiken. Everybody does. And that's why I quit correcting them. Uh, I really just... It doesn't matter. It does. Your name is Aiken. And like now I'm like Aiken. Like when I hear it, I, I correct people because I misinform people. Sure like fault. personally misinform people. His name is Stephen Aiken. He's one of my best friends in the entire world. He's helped me through a lot mentally. Uh, appreciate having it. Appreciate you coming. Drove, yes, drove a damn hour to get here just to hang out with us this morning. And uh, anyway... Uh, that's Tech Talk with Jimmy and Steven. Peace.